0: All right, everybody, welcome to the latest edition of the Juan Galt Show. Today, we are very happy to have as guests V for BTC uh, from the Bitcoin Way, the Bitcoin IT company out of Dubai who can help you with all of your self-custody and Bitcoin privacy needs. Uh, we're also followed up with our guest, Fred Krueger, who has made a name for himself on Bitcoin Twitter over the last couple of months. Uh, sharing his expertise and insight when it comes to the Bitcoin ETFs. As a longtime financial uh, expert and someone in the industry, he knows way more than almost anybody about the latest happenings that what's going on in terms of Wall Street coming into Bitcoin. And so the discussion today is about bitcoin etfs versus self-custody uh who is right for what and what are the best practices no matter what road you want to go down on to get your exposure to bitcoin so as we get the show warmed up and more people join into the room i would like to just go through the news today uh starting off with some news about bitcoin miners Uh, So yesterday they saw a pretty harsh sell-off with some of the biggest names like Marathon, experiencing I think 18% off uh, discounted. Um, And we also saw outflow. Uh, These Bitcoin miners were selling yesterday pretty hard. Um, Bitcoin miners outflow hits a six-year high as more than $1 billion worth of Bitcoin is sent to exchanges from the miners. That's pretty shocking. and then going to the ets themselves uh the big number that came out of yesterday was that there was 4.5 billion dollars in trading volume yesterday uh this is the biggest ETF opening of all time, uh, blowing everything else out of the water. And I think an interesting fact came out of uh, Eric Baltunas from Bloomberg today saying that even the smallest traded ETF, uh, the Bitwise, had $6.6 million worth of volume, which is still larger than 95% of all exchange traded products that came out within the last year. Um, and then he went on to compare that to the ETH Futures ETF that came out um, that just had $1 million worth of volume, which is 4,000% less than the $4.5 billion that uh, went on yesterday with the Bitcoin ETFs, Can, and he considered the, the ETH Futures ETF a major flop. Um, in other news, we have Jim Cramer coming out and saying that a major top is in for Bitcoin. Dot, 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 all caps, MAJOR. And uh, according to the inverse Kramer, that's good signs ahead. Although today we do see a continued sell-off with Bitcoin down 4.3%. But we're still, if you just zoom out, we're at the highest levels that we've been in since April 2022. Um, continuing on with the news, uh Elizabeth Warren is shaking in her boots about the coming out of the ETF. She says the SEC is wrong on the law and wrong on the policy with respect to the Bitcoin ETF decision. If the SEC is going to let crypto burrow even deeper into our financial system, then it's more urgent than ever that crypto follow basic anti-money laundering rules. Um, Elizabeth Warren was quickly ratioed by Bitcoin Pierre uh, from riots, uh, Bitcoin mining. And uh, he made it very clear that, no, this is actually in accordance with the law of the D.C. Court of Appeals ruled on the Grayscale case to let this all kick off and go through. Um, And just one more piece of, uh, of news here. Last night, Jack Maulers went on Bloomberg Technology TV and had an interview there. And at the end of it, He summed up the conversation by saying, I don't own any dollars anymore. I'm sick of them. The real risk is owning dollars because they only go down. Bitcoin is the best expression of the problem of fiat debasement. So, uh, yeah, he pretty much just uh, explained the get on zero thesis live on TV. Um, Pretty amazing stuff. We've come a very long way. We're on Wall Street. We're uh, We're on the nodes, tens of thousands of them across the planet and uh so much to talk about wild wild week i'm very excited for this show juan how you doing good good how are you guys thank you for having me again <laughs> <laughs> the juan show. yes thank you for uh showing up for your show yes absolutely juan galt show course, we got some great guests today amazing topic etf self-custody which form of bitcoin is right for you is right for your grandma and is right for the future so yes, let's uh, let's have our guest say hello, uh, Tony V. How you doing?
1: How's it going, guys? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. How can you not be great with everything that's going on? <laughs> it's like the most exciting time in history has just kicked off in the last 48 hours. I think great times ahead. Yeah, it's a-
0: it's a new era. It's a new yeah. era for sure. Absolutely, yes,
1: man. Living history, living history in the making begins now. You know, I actually, started two days ago. That's for sure.
2: <laughs> All right, Tony's very excited. That's awesome. That's uh, an optimistic Tony is
0: probably a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do this.
1: <laughs> no, man, look, and, I mean, and Fred, yeah, go ahead.
0: Yeah, just want to say hi to Fred here. Thank him for coming through. And um, yeah, let's just make sure your mic is working and uh, everything is good.
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh thanks for having me. I'm I'm also like uh there. I'm very I think this is the most you know, the most event most important event you know, really since the since the white paper. I'm gonna be that that, you know, that bull. This is this in terms of events, this is just you know, forget the price action. Even if the price action went up or down, that doesn't matter. What matters is my mother, who's 84 years old, became a whole coiner. <laughs> <laughs> I, I her. guarantee you, no matter how much you like, you like self-custody or multi-sig or you name your poison, right? You're not getting an 84-year-old uh, widow living in Boston, uh, you know, to become a whole coiner. That okay.
2: So who knew that the way to get a uh, a wallet that grandma would use was actually just an ETF? Holy smokes!
3: It, I mean, it's, it's it. that simple, right? It really is that simple. That's that's the amazing thing. So, forget the price action, everything. We've now solved this the, the fundamental problem, which we've all been trying to do. How do we get adoption? How do we get people? You know, is it mm-hmm. through games? Is it through giving away Bitcoin? You know, ev- everything's been tried, except now we really have an amazing opportunity with this ETF.
2: Yeah, the, the question is what is the cost? And you know, I'm gonna set up my thesis, and then we'll we'll give a little shout out to our sponsor because we have a new sponsor, and uh, we're very very grateful and excited about it. But uh, my thesis is that we're, we're kind of in a this is a double Trojan horse event, or it could be right, and we're definitely crossing the chasm. You know, we're uh, what's that Greek saying? Uh, we're uh
0: well,
2: yeah. the Rubicon. Yeah, we're crossing the Rubicon, right? Like, we're, we're, we've are we entered Rome, right? Ro-
3: Roman, not Greek. I just want uh,
2: to... You're just, right. I, my apologies. <laughs> you're totally right. It's Roman. We've entered Rome. And um, yes, maybe we're infiltrating Wall Street, but is Wall Street infiltrating us? What are the consequences of this personal self-custody? So this is great. We're going to... We have the right people for the show. We're going to set up the conversation, get like a... a Get go deep into ETF stuff and then we'll we'll explore the other side of destroying because I think you know, I mean we, we gotta explore it. There's some people that are really concerned. I'm pumped. I think this was inevitable, and I think this is the this is the next stage of Bitcoin's evolution, but I think there's there's questions to look at, you know. Um and however, you can still, you know, even though we have a Bitcoin ETF and there's a bunch of Bitcoin entering Wall Street and setting up shop uh inside the the belly of the beast um you can still spend your bitcoin pretty much anywhere in fact uh, our new sponsor which we're very grateful for is bitrefill bitrefill has been uh pretty much the it made it has made it possible for almost like half a decade for you to just live straight on bitcoin so if you don't want to sell if you don't want to cash out if you don't want to pay commissions to exit if you earn bitcoin right you can spend it with refill and, and pretty much buy anything i think uh, my guest yesterday Spanish guest from Argentina said he bought a um, a washing machine with beer refill, Um <laughs> which was interesting. I guess he got a really big gift card and uh, and went shopping. Uh, so B-Refill simplifies living on a Bitcoin standard. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard about that. Enables purchasing online in person without banks. So you don't need a sign up or anything. You can just uh, get access to over ten thousand gift cards without uh, just. You don't even need to give them an email, right? And you can buy a gift card with get them. You can refill prepaid phones. You can buy eSIMs for seamless travel, right? So if you're going to El Salvador, for example, and your phone is SIM card enabled, eSIM enabled, you can just buy an eSIM and you don't have to change your phone number. You can get data, um, which is great. Just pay with Bitcoin, right? And uh, if you use the code Bitcoin News, uh, you get 10% uh, Bitcoin back on your first order, right? So that's uh, one word Bitcoin News. Um yeah, unlock a simple a uh, single point of action pre-deposit for free payments and more. In other words, you can pay with lighting, you can pay with tether if that's what you got. And you can even buy like prepaid Visa MasterCards if you're in the US and Europe. You gotta do a little more KYC than there, but like you're still it's a little bit more private than 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 uh than other options. Uh so I mean bitter feels uh, doing that's work, you know, like you can you can <laughs> pretty much live off of Bitcoin. And crypto, thanks to BitRefill. So we're very grateful for them. And uh, yeah, check them out at uh, BitRefill.com. They make this show possible. And uh, oh yeah, one more thing. Uh, We're on Spotify now. So all these conversations are recorded and are being uh, edited and published on Spotify. So if you look up the Juan Galt Show show on Spotify, you should find us. Go uh, give us a follow there if you're a Spotify enjoyer. Otherwise, uh, we're on the Fountain app. And uh, you can sign up uh, via my newsletter and get them via email if you prefer that. You will get a straight audio file you can you can listen to. So um, anyway, very exciting show. Um, let's start with Fred. Fred, can you give us a little bit of an overview of the ETF situation? You know, because it's been a crazy week. Uh, for a moment there, we there was concerns that they were gonna cancel it. You know, like Tom was saying that the the hack was the the dog ate my homework moment for the SEC, and they were going to postpone the 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 confirmation, the approval of the ETFs. Um, give us an overview and tell us where where you're at with. Okay,
3: so let us let's before we kind of hear, there's there's a tendency, right? And everybody is getting really into the weeds here on this ETF. Like, you know, how is this? How is the – how is the the transactions the, the the buying into creating new shares how's the redemption all this stuff is there's a lot of weeds right and we could spend 1 hour in the weeds but what i'd like to do is just zoom out a little bit as we all say and talk about where the ctf is coming from in the history of finance right because you guys are you have a little less gray hairs than me uh but i can tell you i've lived through several of these financializations of assets. And when I saw the BTC thing happening, especially with BlackRock involved, I knew exactly how it was long-term going to be played out, right? So just to set the stage, imagine if somebody told you in uh, 2002 that you, know, you want to buy some gold. How do you buy gold in 2002? It was very difficult, right? You have to go to a gold dealer physical, right? Because, you know, you couldn't really buy this stuff on the internet. So you literally have to go to a gold dealer, find somebody reputable. They would sell you some gold bars or some coins, and you have to put them in your vault. So if you think buying Bitcoin is hard, buying gold was way harder then. Now it's a little easier now. There's a lot more of these gold dealers. But, you know, it was very difficult in 2002, right? And then what Wall Street does really, really well is it comes up with Ways to make this stuff very easy for the average person. So in 2004, the gold, the GLD ETF launched. And, you know, it was sort of a similar launch to this. It didn't do a lot for a couple months, but then it took off like crazy. And it, the price of gold quadrupled because it became so easy for the average investor to buy gold, right? And another example of that is real estate, right? Like, if you wanted to buy – have exposure to commercial real estate in, say, 1980, right, what did you have to do? You had to you had to join with a bunch of rich friends, create a limited partnership, and buy an office building somewhere in, let's just say, Texas, right, because there's a lot of that happening in Houston. And, you know, after the introduction of the Real Estate Investment Trust, it was created by Sam Zell, right? Uh, you now had a vehicle. You could just buy one share of EOP, right? And now you had a vehicle that that sort of wrapped, it was a wrapper of real estate. And a lot of real estate people were like, well, it's so much better to buy real buildings than to buy these wrapped buildings. You're not really getting real estate. You need to do self-custody of real estate. And now, uh, you know, but, you know, if you walk around, you know, a city like Los Angeles or New York right now, most of the buildings are actually, most of the big buildings are actually owned by REITs, right? So, you know, it, it is Wall Street sort of taking over the world, and it's not necessarily bad, right? I think it's a good thing. So that's the sort of long term story. I think if you're living in the financial world, you've seen this happen. Uh, most of these guys in the financial world who totally do not trust Bitcoin. They're totally uninterested in the white paper or, you know, all these arguments that we kind of have, you know, lived and breathed and gone over every one of these arguments over the last, you know, X number of years, depending on when we kind of got orange filled. They don't care at all, right? They're just like, this is just another asset, and, um, and it is now part of the the general kind of menu that's on the financial menu that all these people can do. So that's the the layup, right? This is the layup. And now I would say up until three days ago, there was a lot of debate whether this ETF was even going to happen, right? And I did a poll on my Twitter and 80% said it would happen, but 20% said it wouldn't happen, right? And I would say until it actually happened, I almost, even though I really felt like it was going to happen. You know, I saw that letter from Better Markets that came out. This is an organization that's heavily affiliated with Elizabeth Warren. And uh, I was like, oh, my God, they're they're going to come out with a last-minute rug on this thing. And then when you saw the the botched announcement, the hack, you know, there was a lot of people, including me, were sort of going, oh, my God, they're going to have some congressional hearing on this. and They're going to postpone things a year, right? So let's be clear. They did not want to, they still are very upset that this ETF went through. They mm-hmm. don't like the ETF, right? Elizabeth Warren yeah. and Gary Gensler are not pro ETF. But, you know, they were they were they were pushed into this corner by this grayscale um you know, this grayscale uh, uh ruling, and they just they don't have any legal way out, right? And uh, so that that's where we are. They don't have any legal way out. And, you know, even the other thing is yesterday, we found, we saw Merrill Lynch and Vanguard are still blocking access to these ETF products, which are now, you know, 100% SEC allowed. And they're sort of saying, nope, no, we're not allowing our users to access these products. You know, so that's kind of where we are. So it's a little bittersweet, I think. I think a lot of us, as British huddle, was was will say, you know, a lot of us were hoping for a god candle, but you know, look, nobody can predict, nobody can predict Bitcoin price mm-hmm. on a day to day basis. Nobody, right? Well,
2: we've had we've had the equivalent of a of a god candle for the past like you know two months, right? We've been on a straight green uh, parade, right? We've been going up again. We, we've done two hundred percent since the bottom, right? So, I mean, I think it's. It's it's been good, but yeah, I think people are expected us to just go to a hundred k overnight, and uh, that's uh, that's not really how it works. I think it's interesting that you say that because you're right. It doesn't seem like they like it. It seems like a lot of them are like, uh, what is this?" Right, and so they have on the one hand, they're uninterested. Some of them are uninterested, which is a bit of a blind spot, right? They might not understand what what just happened, right? And then on the other hand, they might not like it, right? So they're they're going to be trying to like reject it or find you know ways i don't know so but th- that's that's the blind spot that i think you know because it, if they just think bitcoin is another asset it's just like an something it's just one more thing they gotta wrap up and sell um that's where it gets interesting right to, uh, adam back tweeted out something that i thought was very well said he said uh so try let bitcoin the apex predator into their china china shop Doors open in hours. Uh, supply squeeze, volatility, 24-7, high leverage. Will the ETF market makers and uh, APs have enough liquidity or will things get crazy? Everything hits spot in a supply squeeze and spot is thin. In other words, can Wall Street actually handle the level of volatility in 24-7 trading and basically uh, the the unregulatable asset that is Bitcoin uh, within their their, their, their glass house. Oh, we got Joe on the show. Great. Joe Carlsley. How are you doing, man? Carlos sir. I yeah,
4: struggle with you. Carla, sorry. Have... Um, Carla, sorry. Yeah. It's
5: right.
4: right. um, a pleasure to be up here with uh, Fred and British and others. Uh, really appreciate it. Um, so I think that one of the things you have to take into account is the grayscale effect. And I don't think people have appreciated what exactly they had to do to close the discount to NAV. And it was a significant amount of selling pressure. That combined with you know the market getting a little bit ahead of ahead of itself with expect it, uh, with uh, expectations, I think is just the only reason why you're seeing this pullback Over, overall. Right? Just because you have legal access to buy the ETFs does not mean that fund managers and financial advisors were suddenly overnight plow in billions of dollars. It, it it will come for sure, and I and I definitely believe it still will come. But it's going to be a slow march upward rather than, you know, the, the God candle people are thinking of, because that's just how TradFi money moves. It moves slow and steady. And I, I will tell you right now, there are folks discussing right now what levels they want to get positions on some of these products, um, you know, whether it's here or a little bit lower. Just do not do not mistake short-term price action for having anything meaningful. And that's, that's the biggest thing. You just got to remember that, you know, uh, I think Fred said, and he's right, like, you know, short-term price action is, is almost, uh, it's a random walk, That's the way to think about it. Nothing more than a random walk. But overall, right, there are managers now deciding what is our Bitcoin strategy going to be, what is our Bitcoin allocation going to be, what are we going to put these clients in, which which the vehicles. what look at liquidity and how they're functioning, and you know what the bid ask spreads are. And then I saw something about how Bitwise's bid ask spread was ex- incredibly tight, which is great, right? That's why people, I think, are going to it's going to be a driver towards that product versus some of the others. Um, but you know, you got a lot of things you got to sort out. You got to sort out and unwind these bets that people have made for years and. Fred's been all over this with MicroStrategy, where you know they wanted a Bitcoin proxy and they were forced into these alternatives. And now I think you can see clearly based on the price action in the short run here, not, or not, not just today and yesterday, but actually in the weeks leading up, that people are reallocating from some of these proxy bets into the spot ETFs. Um, and you see that in the tape. So to me, like you can't read too much into any of this stuff on a short term basis. So let's check back in three months. And in three months, I think we're all going to be surprised as to how meaningful these stru- these structures are in the heart of a bull market post-having.
2: Joe, wh- while we have you here, you know, what do you see in terms of retaliation? Because if they, if, if the powers that be don't like it, you know, we have Elizabeth Warren saying that the SEC is wrong, that, uh, you know, that basically th- there's all kinds of legal attacks coming at Bitcoin, right? More,
4: yeah. Um, and just. That she's proposing a bill to uh, to limit it for IRAs and 401k exposure too. so you can expect more of that that should be your base case whether it gets passed or becomes law is a different story okay um,
2: yeah that's fascinating I mean what what else is there more to say in the ETF side right like there's been we've been talking about it for uh, the whole week um obviously there was the hack of the SEC which was just a ridiculous little side quest right? Um, do, you, do you expect that there's going to be any consequences to that story? Or we're just gonna end, uh, is it going to go into the memory hole uh, that uh, they pumped and dumped Bitcoin for like two hours on that one?
4: I'm sorry, I missed the first part of your question. What's the pumped and who pumped uh, yeah
2: dumped? Yeah, it? yeah the, the, the hack of the SEC account, right, that led to a little pump and dump on the Bitcoin price. And now people are allegedly there's some people suing uh, the SEC for that hack. And for money, yeah, I'm not
4: going to comment specifically on that particular uh, perspective litigation on that front uh, for a variety (laughs) of reasons. But I'll I'll just tell you, look, um, there are lots of suits that get filed. And uh, the, the government is an actor like anybody else. They have culpability under certain conditions if they're not uh, being reasonable. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what I will say is that in terms of long term market effect, I mean, I think it's kind of meaningful, meaningless, um, you know, in terms of uh, effect on individual market participants. There's perhaps better arguments to be made about, you know, the, about why why they somebody should have to bear that expense mm-hmm. and that cost for what appears to be just uh, negligence on the part of the SEC. For to not secure their account in a reasonable way uh, in yeah. accordance with best practices. But, you know, I, I've all the things we can be talking about to me, like that's kind of the least on the list of things we yeah, should be discussing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That was just a little, a little side quest. So, okay. I mean, I think that the, the upside is clear, right? The upside is that wall street and you know, the boomers, right. And, and a lot of these sort of family offices and institutional money enters Bitcoin and, you know, we reach the moon and uh, we'll get Lambos and girlfriends, right? Like that's, that's awesome. Um, but what is the risk to wall street, right? Again, like looking back at this Adam Bag tweet, the, the bull in the China shop, let's explore the, the risks to wall street, because I think like, it feels to me like this is a monumental event in wall street as well. Like this is, you know, a, a radioactive sort of element just entered their ecosystem. Right. Um, how do you see this? Uh, go, go ahead, Joe, and then uh, Fred and Tony, if you guys want to jump okay. in. Okay.
4: So if you're you're talking about the risk to Wall Street, okay, I, I believe there there are smart, bright people on Wall Street that know how to make a market of anything. They can make a market of any asset, right? And and they'll figure it out. The risk is not one of systemic instability or bringing down Wall Street or any of these things, which is what I think some people could incorrectly infer from Doctor Back's twid, tweet. Uh, I think the the bigger risk is this. If this is why number go up is so essential. It's so critical for Bitcoin here. Because if, if, if Bitcoin goes on a rip and goes really quickly to the upside, every single fund manager will be getting calls, emails, getting bombarded with text messages saying, why don't we have a Bitcoin strategy? Why don't we have exposure? It, it Number has to really go up. for in, in, You phrase it as a threat to Wall Street or an effect on Wall Street. If number goes up, it can spread like a like a brush fire throughout all Wall Street because people will be forced into it. Okay, it's almost like you know. Here's the thing: if you go back last year into the stock market, and I I'm an equity investor too. I you know I own a ton of equities. Okay, um, when people were super max bearish. Okay, slowly and steadily, as the price began to move in there uh, against them, uh, and w- w- knock out shorts for whatever reason, and we didn't enter a recession. More and more fund managers had phone calls saying, "How the hell are we not exposed? How do we not have Nvidia exposure? How do we not have QQQ exposure?" And what it does is it forces capital into the market because the price is moving to the upside against you know the overwhelming bearish narrative. The same is true of Bitcoin, right? If the majority of the street right now is negative on Bitcoin, has no exposure to Bitcoin, is underallocated relative to all their other holdings and bitcoin starts to rip and go higher considerably higher that is, it becomes a self-reinforcing loop okay it becomes a virtuous circle for people buying and getting exposure to bitcoin but you need to have that upside catalyst now we're fortunate right because we do have an upside catalyst whether it's right or wrong the narrative that's associated with the ha- with having is going to push capital into the market so i think that's really positive and you also have some economic data right that continues to show potential reacceleration. And, you know, in the election year, you've got some potentials for other catalysts that that could drive asset prices generally higher. And what I what I see here is that you're still sort of uh, people just a little bit too tepid to put on big risk plays because of the quote unquote macro environment. I think that dissipates by the second and third quarter. And if that is the case and you start getting, you know, some real big players pushing into Bitcoin, Dr. Back's exactly right in the sense that every fund manager is going to have to come up with a Bitcoin strategy. Anyway, sorry for talking so long.
3: No, I, I I just want to say I completely agree with Joe. One of the things, the way I've kind of phrased it in some of my Twitter spaces and talks and stuff is, is think of the 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 you know the Wall Street kind of ETFs as sort of booster rockets on uh, on on Bitcoin, right? All this money is not pent up and just wanting to come in. I you know if it, it's if you ask the average kind of Wall Streeter right now they're kind of like whatever Bitcoin. I'm not, you know, it's it's down from its all-time high of two years ago. This is not a hot asset, right? They are not itching to get into Bitcoin right now, right? But as Joe said, you take the happening, you take sort of the, uh, you know, potentially a Fed rate cut, you know, later on this year, and money printer go burr, and all it takes is, you know, the brush fire, and all of a sudden you have, Now you have like kerosene, which is this ETF, the ability to buy without having to go, you know, to a a custodian like Coinbase, right? Just buy it as a stock. And all of a sudden now this thing could totally catch fire, right? And uh, this is the first time we've had that, right? So we've, we've been through these bull markets in Bitcoin. Let's just take 2021, right? How much, you know, Wall Street money came in to to you know buy it well they they came in to buy the miners and MSTR right because those were the proxies back then you know that you could buy right and uh, now they have a much more direct vehicle to invest and get exposure to Bitcoin so I agree I think if we have you know when we have a uh, you know a, a a significant move back to new all time highs and I think. All time highs and even a hundred thousand is a key level because I think we need to we really need to break all time highs hit a hundred thousand i think if we if we get to that level, people are going to be like, "Oh my God, I need to own this thing right so Wall Street is kind of a buy high sell higher type world right it's a it's a trend following world it's a you know it's not these people are not buying bitcoin on a dip that's just not you know. Buy the dip does not apply to Wall Street, right? These guys are going to buy momentum, and uh, I think if we get momentum now, I think it, people will jump on it. Why is it a bull in a china shop? One of the reasons is, you know, all the, from a from the SEC to the, the the presidential candidates. Everybody's focused on the stock market, right? I mean, if you remember, right, Trump was running on their, Biden's going to destroy the stock market. And Biden's saying, look, the stock market's up, right? So everybody's focused on the stock market, right? But if we get this new thing coming out of left field and everybody's now saying, geez, I should have invested in Bitcoin. Hey, why, didn't, why telling their fund man, their advisor, why aren't you getting me more Bitcoin exposure? All of a sudden, the narrative of, you know, I needed to get in Bitcoin. How come this thing is, you know, this this thing's going to save us from money printing and asset uh, inflation and all the rest, right? I think that could really, really take off and as a kind of a mainstream American movement. And that's what I think is the bull in the China shop. And, and the real, the dangerous person, the person has the most to lose is the U.S. Treasury, right? Because they're going to try to push, you know, they're going to try to push, interest you know bonds keep on funding this deficit with these bonds and potentially try to sell them at lower and lower interest rates so it's you know it is a danger that america wakes up and becomes orange-pilled and i think that's the reason. that's a possibility <laughs> that that would be beautiful you know maybe
2: maybe they should consider backing some of these bonds with bitcoin you know uh <laughs> probably in a few years might be a little bit too early for that but uh Tony, um, you're very excited about this. I, I can f- see it in your voice. Uh, but as a self-custody, uh, you know, alpha nerd, um, how do you uh, how are you navigating this? Tell us, tell us what you're thinking. I'm about very
1: excited ETF. about this, but not for the reasons that you think. I mean, the ETF is definitely, uh, you know, amazing, bullish news for Bitcoin, you know, creating awareness, you know, taking it mainstream, bringing adoption, all that. But there's there's one thing, you know, that I think a lot of people seem to overlook is that. I don't believe that the SEC, Wall Street and all of these guys don't understand. I can't hear so I'm going to jump down and come back up. Can you guys hear me? All right, cool. I so can hear you. What I was saying is that I don't believe the SEC, Wall Street, all these guys don't understand Bitcoin. I think they understand it really really well, which is why they don't like it. Bitcoin, you know, was not created to play by their rules. That's what they don't like. Bitcoin was designed, created to replace the, their rules, right? And so this is for the first time in history, it's not another asset. It's another asset that nobody can manipulate, nobody can control. That's what they don't like about it. And, you know, as as more and more people realize that this is truly the first time in history where I can own my own money without, you know, uh, counterparty risk, without anybody's permission, you know, once that really clicks into, you know, the average person's mindset, there's no way this is, ter- this is the, to, to turn back from this. This is when I think you're going to see Bitcoin you know like like catapult into like all-time highs like we've never seen, and I don't really care about the number go up. I mean, this whole thing, you know, people doing the ETF things, going into ETFs <clears throat> I mean, if you're really putting your money in an ETF rather than buying the asset outright, it's because, in my opinion, I don't think you understand money. I mean, you actually believe that, you know, fiat still has value. You know, if that's what you believe, then you've understand nothing about Bitcoin. Bitcoin was supposed to replace fiat, not to play along by its rules. You understand? Like, why would you want to make profit in a debasing currency controlled by someone else that's clearly manipulating it, you know, against your best interest at all times? That's insane. Where you can actually hold an asset that's appreciating in value that no one can control except for you. You don't need anybody's permission, has no counterparty risk. You can send one dollar or one billion dollar to any bloody person anywhere around the world, you know, on a moment's notice. That's the power of Bitcoin. And I think the and and well, I will I will push back on one thing here.
3: Um it, to your, your thing. That is not what most Wall Streeters believe. Okay, <laughs> they do not believe what you just said. Okay, they do not. They think Bitcoin is backed by nothing, has no yield, is suspicious, um, and yeah, maybe it's going up, and maybe I should buy some. But they don't believe that it is superior money, or that it's any threat to the dollar, or any of any of the things you just said. Which you know, I, I believe, but I can tell you long-term, I believe, what you said. But I can tell you, I think Wall Streeters do not believe that, right? They, they are like Jamie Dimon or Warren Buffett. And when Warren Buffett says it's rat poison squared, you better believe he thinks it's just rat poison. He thinks this is just a Ponzi scheme, has no value. It's just terrible. It is, does not advance anything. And that's really what they believe. So, you know, they, they're not they're not like these conspiratorial people. They barely believe it, and I think, you know, if you asked them in, uh, you know, January of last year, they would have been, well, see, we told you, right? We told you, Sam Bankman-Fried's in jail, um, or you know, or headed to jail at that point, and uh, you know, we're just going to shut this thing down. It's just a bunch of scammers. That's yeah, what yeah, they that
1: think. may be what they think, but it doesn't really matter what they think. They think that because the the.
4: Sure it does. It no, absolutely they're, matters. What they're in means.
1: a position to <laughs> yeah. abuse those words. You understand? That's why they say what they say. The average person is not next to the money printer. The average person is not controlling anything in, in, in you know, to, to their best interest. The average person is suffering the consequences of decisions made by these people, which is not in their best interest. So, Right, right. But I think, I just want to be very clear, right? You made a statement
3: that That they actually, they actually understand Bitcoin. They're, they, they, they want to prevent it from happening because they actually believe that. No, that is not what's happening. Right. I'm just, just one of the factually. Well, well, look, (laughs) and I think Joe Joe would agree with me. Yeah. No, listen,
4: guys, just talk to some members of Congress. They think it's a joke. They think this is a bunch of millennials that don't know what to do and don't know how to manage their money. And they're throwing it at, you know. Uh, doggy coins and worthless tokens like the that that's how they lump bitcoin in with that whole group they do not differentiate this whole you know idea that people look at bitcoin like a uh, you know, threat to the dollar i mean if you if you if you said that in traditional economic circles they would laugh at you you're talking about something that has a smaller market cap than apple stock threat to the dollar the global capital markets i mean it, it just I, I get it, guys, and I, I'm on your side long term, right? Long term being the key thing. But in the short run, you know, th- this thing, th- Bitcoin becomes a threat to the dollar at $500,000 Bitcoin or a million potentially. Uh, that That's where it's a threat to the dollar. OK, not at $42,000. I mean, come on.
1: No, no. It's
4: just the 10x guys. At the current
1: price, maybe not, but you know, like people need to understand why so many people are resistant to Bitcoin. Is because I don't believe they really understand nothing. It's almost impossible after 15 years not to understand anything. Like if I was in charge, you know. Uh,
3: wait, wait! I, I, I'm going to stop you. They are not digesting the same diet of information as you, right? Mm-hmm. You are you you're like, well, I've been looking at this for all these years. I've been reading all these things. I'm on I'm looking at Adam Back. I'm doing like they're like, who's Adam Back? Okay? They have no idea who Adam Back is. They have no idea. They think Satoshi they don't they think I mean JP Morgan was like Satoshi's going to jump out of the code and say there's actually more than 21 million coins. They I mean, guys, Look, like that- they <laughs> they are not – they they have – you just don't understand the way Wall, the mainstream America investment thinks. Just, I mean just, I'm just telling you that it's not accurate what you're just saying. Just
4: unpack, just yeah. unpack what Fred just said about the Jamie Dimon comment. That tells you all you need to know. This is a guy – who is brilliant by all accounts, one of the titans of Wall Street. And he embarrassed himself, in my view, if you actually understand the basic amount of information about Bitcoin, for him to go on public television and make a comment like that, that Satoshi's going to jump out whenever you hit 21 million or whatever, uh, whatever his, his phrase was. That's an embarrassment for him, for a guy of his stature to say something like that. Tells you that he never really has done a deep dive on Bitcoin, that he doesn't plan to in the near term, and the people around him haven't taken the time to even educate him on that. That you know that fact. You, all of this is to say that you know the notion that they they understand this space and what it means and what it represents. I think is. It, it, I agree with Fred. I mean, they they don't. They clearly don't. It's not. They, they're underestimating it, which is a good thing in many ways. In my opinion. Yeah, now, I, was I would like to say that the like, this is this back. is good news, right? This is good, good news is. that they don't quite understand it. Yeah,
3: I will just say this. You know, and it's something I posted about: if you if you want to see a, a company that does understand it, take a look at Fidelity. Okay, take a look at the uh, uh, Twitter account Digital Assets and look at some of the research there. And you're going to see something that, in my opinion, is the best research on Bitcoin that you're ever going to see. Right, so. Does Fidelity understand Bitcoin? Uh-huh. They completely understand Bitcoin. They have a great uh, understanding of Bitcoin. Right. They, I mean, they've just got the charts. They got the the language. They, they understand it really deeply, right? So some Wall Street people understand it. You know, I'm not sure BlackRock really cares that much deeply about Bitcoin. They're just like, this is just another asset. We don't care. We're going to sell it for 30 basis points, and we're going to trade the shit out of it. And, you know... We don't really care. Let's do ETH. Let's do Dogecoin, too. You know, if we can get away with Dogecoin, fine. If we can get away with Solana, fine. We don't care, right? But that's not in the – but I think Fidelity does understand it, right? I I think, you know, Bitwise does understand it. So there's – you know, which is kind of a crossover type, you know, people with a finance background and crypto, right? So I definitely think there are Wall Streeters who do understand it. I just think the, a lot of the people in charge from the old guard, like the vanguard, somebody should say that they should call them rear guard, right? Because vanguard sounds like they're leading edge, cutting edge, right? But you know these guys are like, we are not going to have anything to do with Bitcoin. So we'll see if that stands. But it's definitely the case that the old guard doesn't like or understand Bitcoin at all. And, does, and as Joe said, they're not going to study it. For the next, you know, they're 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 like Peter Schiff. The clock is stopped at twelve o'clock.
4: Yeah, right. So just one one thing about uh, fidelity, right? Uh, he Fred brings up fidelity, and that that is a great example of someone who understands Bitcoin, who does good research on it, that understands its role in portfolio, and many of the principles of fidelity. Openly speak positively and hold Bitcoin. Okay, even that example. of the 401ks and retirement plans they service in the United States currently, including my wife's who has a retirement plan through Fidelity, do not offer access to their own Bitcoin product to those retirement plans because of frictional issues with employers and f- financial advisors and people just reluctant to get into the space that is a pro bitcoin entity and right now you know in my wife's retirement plan every month there's no access to that you can buy spy you can buy intermediate or long-term bond funds you can buy emerging market funds you can buy a bunch of junk you can't buy a, a bitcoin product which they sell and they make money on right that tells you something about where the 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 you know the current you know me- framework is mental models for bitcoin at large in society, and to me, like if you can look at that and say oh, that's very bearish, or I view it as very optimistic, right? Because that tells me you're nowhere near a saturation point for this asset. You're not even close, okay. The, and, and I think that comes, but you know, you're, you're fighting not just legally and regulatorily to get access to these products, which I think we overcame, a big win uh, in the Spotty theft. You have to f- fight for hearts and minds, and it's a slow, steady process, unless unless you have violent uh, upside price action. If you have violent upside price action, people are incentivized to act immediately. This is why Bitcoin has these parabolic runs. It's not a coincidence where adoption comes with the parabolic runs. uh, And we were talking about this earlier in one of the spaces, because it attracts attention saying, we screwed up. We're misevaluating this asset, and we have to act to get exposure now. That is that that is the whole core of you know the whole what what Satoshi said uh, you know back in the forums you know maybe I need to buy a little in case it catches on it, that is the, that is the key to adoption the violent upside price action yeah I mean
2: I, I, I it sounds like I mean obviously Wall Street is a very sort of economic beast right and yeah that that all makes sense to me uh, but let, let's let's focus back on this question of the risk for Wall Street right so okay I think I think we've established that that the, the mainstream of wall street doesn't really understand bitcoin i would i, w- I kind of side with tony on the sense that maybe they have an intuition for it and they don't like it or makes them more comfortable in some way but let's let's get past that um if it's they don't understand ar- Bitcoin,
1: arrogance. right
2: arrogance then, then yeah yeah there's an element of a- arrogance right like they don't need to understand it you know like they're on wall street they don't need to understand it. but like you know let's look at this question of risk right that jameson lop i just put it on the nest he tweeted out that wall street has been trading for over 200 years and they still haven't figured out how to do real-time accounting and settlement right so bitcoin settles globally every hour right within six confirmations you have irreversibility right but wall street is having it like the, the, the tweet that he was uh quote tweeting was eric Balchunas, and he says uh Good question. Uh, deployed the same day as market makers, issuers don't want to be a uh, risk of being long or short. Something, something, something. Half the data will come back next week, right? So, like, they they can't even settle within a week. Uh, the accounting, right? So, like, is there like is there risks here on on like like say the mismatch between the the Bitcoin infrastructure and the Wall Street infrastructure that that we might see in the in the future, maybe like in the mid future or something like that?
3: I would say no. That's just my short answer. Okay, cool. <laughs> I mean, I think look, I think the, the you know the, the the reality is these what what we are seeing is a securitization of an asset that's not a security, right? So Bitcoin, you know, is 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 a commodity at this point. It's it's just a commodity just like gold and it's mined just like gold, right? It's a digital asset, but it's a digital commodity. However, We've turned this into a security right by putting uh it into an e t f an e t f is a security and securities have to trade and have they have a regulated uh infrastructure for dealing with them and you know that that means you know you can't just send a security from point a to point b you know you you can't do that you can't sell a security unless you're a licensed uh you have a series seven right so you you there's all these regulations around security and it's not just like Wall Street's technically inept it's not that right there's there's regulations that have been set up around the settlement and everything else and yes bitcoin has you know on its own on the bitcoin network it you know it has this completely independent existence and allows people to send money peer to peer anywhere in the world very quickly right that, which is fantastic but the minute you put it into a regulated environment You know, this is what enables my mother to become a whole coiner in in 10 seconds, right, is because all of a sudden now it's inside of the framework, right? So before we bash Wall Street and we bash this new setup, understand that this setup is fantastic, right, because it works for – it works not just for Bitcoin, right, but it works for all assets, you know, whether it's Bitcoin or an emerging markets fund or – you know, a mid-cap fund or whatever you want. It's all under one umbrella. And that's an incredibly powerful concept. And, um, and that's really why I'm super, super optimistic, because if you have everything under one umbrella, then it's really easy to allocate more to Bitcoin. It's just a really, just a very simple thing. You don't have to open new accounts. You don't have to transfer money. Getting money, funding a Coinbase account, starting a Coinbase account from zero will take you five days you know to get through kyc and get the wires done and everything so you know here you don't have to wait five days you can do it in five minutes you can buy your first bitcoin in five minutes in five five minutes in in one minute right so that's the power of what has been unleashed yesterday that's the power
1: yeah and yes but you're forgetting one thing you're not a whole coiner you don't own Bitcoin. You're owning paper Bitcoin and I owe you. Yes, it's more convenient, gives you exposure, but you are definitely not holding the asset that you think you are holding. That's a big thing to keep in mind. I mean.
4: okay, but 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 if you if you're I get it and you're correct. Okay, I'll just tell you, I agree with you. You want to hold the spot if you can. But what I think you're missing in how important this is is that if you want bitcoin to truly become a threat to the dollar like we talked about earlier if you want it to truly have a path forward as a medium of exchange and have investors and innovators trying to to develop this market you need to get bitcoin substantially bigger in terms of a market cap and the easiest path forward is the one with the least amount of friction right which is what fred is talking about if you want bitcoin to succeed globally as a store of value and potentially down the line as a medium of exchange on layer twos and layer threes, you need to get Bitcoin $500,000 or more. Okay. You need to do it. And, and to me, like it's worth sort of the, the negative downside of not holding your own keys and not holding the, the coins themselves, at least for some people to get Bitcoin orders I of could- magnitude higher. It's a a sacrifice. I completely agree with you that
1: the the ETF is a necessary evil in order to get Bitcoin to the numbers that you just stated. Absolutely, no doubt about this. But what I'm trying to say is that there needs to be like a fundamental understanding that you are not buying the asset. Okay, I mean, even though it's a convenient step, and yes, it will help to do to get the numbers up to where it will become a threat to the dollar, etc., etc. But People can't mistakenly assume that just because they've bought this thing, now all of a sudden they're holding Bitcoin because they're not. They cannot. Ca-
4: do you think they're more likely to make that realization with Bitcoin exposure via the ETF, with the, the seeing the returns for two or three years, seeing a whole cycle returns where 10Xs? Do you think they're more likely to make it then or make it now? And I would say it will yes. almost always come then when bitcoin actually ha- and they have exposure when they have skin in the game people naturally pay more attention and they realize wait a second why do i need an etf structure to do this when i can just hold native bitcoin and then guess what they're going to have to deal with the taxes and account issues and everything else of unwinding that versus all the people that get it now and have the benefit of holding the, native the thing
1: bitcoin. is bitcoin is technology all right most of these folks that are coming into into the etf don't understand technology, let alone self custody, because it is, it's, it's a process. You need to learn it. Most people are barely comfortable on a computer, let alone setting up cold wallets and nodes and all of that stuff. I think this is a humongous hurdle, you know, into getting into the space, especially for the older generation that have never really been exposed to something like this because everything in TradFi has been, you know, structured in in certain ways, very convenient, they're just used to it. And now all of a sudden this new player comes in town, you know, that requires, you know, a certain amount of skill, a certain amount of know-how. And, you know, you either take the time to, to, to understand this, or you know you're going to go the convenient road, but if you go the convenient road, which again, I do agree with you is a necessary evil to bring attention to this to especially to those that are of a higher net worth uh, you know in, individuals but you know there's they the, you need to understand that you know this is not what the asset is, you are not holding the asset, and learning how to hold it isn't even that hard it just takes you know the willingness to sit down accept that you have to learn something new and there are plenty of resources out there that'll teach you we're one of them we do this every single day most of the people we consult with are 50 60 and up they're not young folks okay so there is a growing interest of uh, of people coming into this space for the right reasons i don't disagree with you that the etf is a necessary is a is a necessary step to bring bitcoin up to the numbers where you know Everybody gets turned on and the FOMO kicks in and the dam breaks open and all that stuff. Great. All I'm trying to say is that there needs to be a clear understanding that the ETF is not Bitcoin. It is an IOU no different than a stock and a bond. If you want to cash out, you are not cashing out in Bitcoin. You are cashing out in a debasing currency just like any other. That's all I'm saying.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is a huge orange pill moment for a lot of people, potentially, right? Like, this is the gateway drug, right? We're, we've 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 broken through the gates of the walled garden of 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 Wall Street and mainstream uh, wealth of the world, right? Like, this is the most of the money of the world is in these markets, right? And so, this is it is opening the gates, but yeah, I think my my thesis has always been we got to make sure there's a there's a hole on the on the wall of the walled garden that goes out to self custody and 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 le- lets people gain you know a lot of this let's say this power or, or first degree of citizenship within bitcoin which is owning your own money and having control right so um i, th- I think we i think we all
3: we all you understand know, I, I would like to put, that, put one, one I'd like to put one theory there okay which is that actually i was talking with british Hoddle yesterday and he made a really good point he's like look uh, if you look at self custody, it's, it's really it's it's really important for adoption, right? But it's not important for price because really, if you look at who, if you look at sort of a, a look at the person who is in the financial world who's got you know like Joe's wife or you know the average American who's got a bunch, what they want is they want exposure to Bitcoin, right? They they probably don't need ex- they don't need to use the Bitcoin network, right? Because they don't need to use it as a payment mechanism. They have great payment mechanisms. They have Visa, they have Venmo, they have all kinds of stuff that's just integrated in their way of life. They don't need to send Bitcoin around the world that often. Maybe once a year, they might want to send somebody that they know in some 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 uh, some somewhere some Bitcoin. But overall, they they don't need it so much right now. If you are in Argentina, or if you are in Lebanon, you are in Ukraine. Uh, yeah, you need Bitcoin, and guess what? You know what you don't need is the ETF, right? Because that's not important to you, right? What's important to you is to have your own sovereignty of your money. That's the most important thing for you, right? So, everybody who is in Russia, who you know, you know, they they when when after the Ukraine war, they sort of said, "Oh, I'll just go to Turkey," and then they went to Turkey, and their visa cards stopped working, right? <laughs> and that's a pretty good example of, wow, had I bought some Bitcoin, you know, I could have actually, uh, you know, ha- had a much better life with Turkey than, you know, I-, I would have access to my savings. So, you know, if you have, if you're living in a country like Lebanon or Argentina or Turkey, uh, Venezuela, yeah, having Bitcoin is, could be life or death for you, right? So I think, I think adoption, I think when you have, I think self-custody is is fantastic if you're kind of not if you if, if you you you're not living in the top ten percent of Americans who the top ten percent of America owns ninety percent of the stock market right and uh, you know for those people they don't really selling them on self custody they're like why should I care like that's the point I would that's my pushback is what do I care yeah. about self custody well this
2: is the this is the Michael Saylor line of thinking he's you know he's he's at the top of the game and uh he doesn't yeah he he's got the security of the US government on his side uh at least that's what he feels and he's probably right right and so he doesn't need self custody he can put it in a i guess coinbase or whoever's custodying his his bitcoin right and so yeah so this is a this is a, this is the elite of american Wealth entering or, or having the gates open to to Bitcoin in an easy way. Let,
1: um, let, let me, let me let, 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 a let, just, f- Fred, I want to just chime in on a comment that you, you made with regards to, you know, the whole uh, Ukraine, Lebanon, Russia and all that. You know, you're absolutely right. But my question to you is, do you assume that the, what happened in these countries is isolated to these con- uh, countries in that area alone? Like you, you do not believe that this is something possible in the United States? Or in europe or in, or many yeah. modern countries
3: well i'll tell you what it's it's possible in the u.s you know what it sort of depends you know one, one of the things i've you know i've been fascinated with bitcoin for so long and you know one of the things i i really been was looking at a lot in 2020 21 was the growth of bitcoin atms right and who's using them and actually what bitcoin atms are used for is sort of a savings accounts for the unbanked in the u.s right so you know, if you're living like me and you've got multiple brokerage accounts, multiple bank accounts, and all the rest, you know, I'm not worried that, you know, the uh, ETF that I just bought yesterday at Schwab is going to be taken away from me. Okay. But if I'm, you know, if I'm a construction worker, you know, undocumented construction worker, and, uh, you know, and I, and I, and I, don't have a bank account, right? And, you know, and I've just got cash sitting on me. And, you know, I I, I, I want to have Bitcoin as my, I'd like to have that as my self-custody, whether it's just in a Bitcoin ATM or, you know, if I have just a ledger on me or whatever. So it really depends on your economic situation. I would say if you're kind of at the top of the pyramid, it's less important to you. You know, if you're at and sort of the bottom third, it becomes very important, right? So I I, I do think that there's a, that's that's the trade-off, right? And uh, But, you know, also, look, also, I would say this, you know, if you're a Russian oligarch, right, and, you know, you're at the top of the Russian pyramid, and then all of a sudden, you realize you need to get out of Dodge, and, uh, you know, you decided to put your wealth in a yacht, that wasn't a smart idea, Right. Because your yacht's getting repossessed. But had you taken that same billion dollars and put it into Bitcoin, well your Bitcoin would be still yours right now. In fact, you would have two million.
1: Yeah, that's I I think I think this is where, you know, my my uh my opinion sli- differs slightly. I think what happened in Lebanon and Venezuela is categorically one hundred percent coming to the US, no matter what your social ranking is. Because sooner or later, it might take a little longer to get you if you have a little more, a few more zeros on that screen. But ultimately, your turn is coming no matter what because you are still working with the same mechanics that are flawed to begin with, and that is the fiat currency. So whether it takes you know a, a few years to, to get to you, ultimately, it will get to you. And assuming that it won't, in my opinion, is financial suicide. It's a delusion that a lot of high net worth individuals Hide behind. There were a lot of the same people that I witnessed firsthand in countries like Lebanon who had the same arguments. It won't happen to me. I've got, you know, what, two, $1.2 billion US in my bank account. Really? It took three days for all those zeros to, to, to shrink to one zero with nothing before it. All right? So there's nothing special about anyone living in any country no matter how big their bank account is because it's all based on the same rigged ponzi that is affecting that has that has already affected many countries okay and this is where the whole concept of bitcoin the real value of bitcoin is is to protect everyone against this blatant and apparent theft that is going on no matter what you do no one should be in a position that someone else can dictate what they should or should not do with their money. It doesn't matter if they've done something wrong, if they've broken a legitimate law, then the market, there are rules and procedures to follow to, you know, to, to, to judge them by it. But it's not up to a bunch, a a bunch of, a bunch of like a, a bunch of psychopaths to decide to make up rules on the fly to decide Who is all of a sudden a criminal? Who all of a sudden falls into the gray zones because of something that doesn't serve their purpose? That's what I'm trying to say. And the entire formula behind fiat currencies, regardless of which one it is, is all based on that same rigged theft system. And that's what Bitcoin was created to put an end to. And this is what people need to understand, is that there is no shortcut to, uh, to, to sovereignty. You're either going to do it properly by assuming responsibility over your funds or you're, or you're going to put yourself back into the exact same situation that you were to begin with, that you were hoping to come out of thinking that, okay, maybe now it's different. There is nothing different. If you are in a situation where your outcome is based on the decision of someone else, you are putting yourself in unnecessary risk you cannot trust human behavior. Human beings are corruptible. Pushed in the, Given the right circumstances, someone will always do something in their best interest versus yours. So Bitcoin solves that problem because it removes that, that possibility from every single hum, human being on Earth. No one can control anything anymore. No one can decide for somebody else. It's the same playing field for everybody but in order to put yourself in that financially sovereign position you need to learn a few steps it's as simple as that and these steps are not that hard but you need to sit down and learn them that's the only way that you can con- truly consider yourself sovereign and free again if you are playing by the rules of someone else that you think has your best interest in mind you are delusional
2: yeah and and you know i think the New technologies are often uh, adopted by the, the wealthy and they spread out over time as they scale and so on. And uh, I mean, I'm, I'm optimistic on that sense. I think this is this is going to get people into Bitcoin and then maybe this is a huge opportunity to slide them down the rabbit hole. Right. So I think we, we can see a lot more people coming into the space. Obviously, this is the the opening, um, the opening of the gates. um. I, I, have one more. I would just
3: like to push right. back on one thing, right? So What I think is, you know, I understand your points, and I, I definitely, I hear you when you say it could happen to you, right? But I would have to say, what, the, what is really the risk of, uh, you know, what do I think the, do I think that there's a risk that the United States becomes Lebanon? Okay, and and, and let's just put it a time frame in the next twenty years. I would put that risk at below one percent, right? Below one percent. And you know, yeah, we're a lot in debt, but guess what? We're also the largest GDP in the world by a lot, and even our debt to GDP, you know, it's, it's what about sixty percent of what Japan is. And you know, I just was in Japan. It's it, it's very nice country. It's Pleasant it's a pleasure to visit Japan, actually. And uh so I just don't think I think actually we're not really going to you know Mad Max beyond Thunderdome um as a as as a as a reason to own Bitcoin. Now ha- owning it for insurance purposes, you know, having some some Bitcoin that you control in uh, you know in, in your own in your own keys, absolutely, right? But I think that maybe you know, there's a bigger risk is you're sued, right? I went through a divorce about 14, 15 years ago. And I got to tell you, it was very painful. And this was sort of before Bitcoin was really big, right? But um, it just as started. But I, you know, in, in retrospect,ive I, I was like, okay, let's suppose I was going through a divorce today. And I would say, you know, would I a really nasty, acrimonious divorce, right? Would I would I feel better if I had, uh, you know, uh, a certain number of Bitcoins that that were sort of outside of the system? Oh, yeah, I sure would. You know what I mean? So you can get sued in the United States. It's a very litigious society. You know, you can can, uh, – there's a lot of things that can happen, right? And I would say having Bitcoin is a safety net uh, for that, right? Now, if you're in many other countries, you know, you don't have the – you know, getting your money out of the bank. If you're in Lebanon, you try to get your money out of the bank. They they close the banks, so and you're only allowed to get, you know, a hundred dollars a week out of the bank or something like this. So, so that I don't see that as a risk as an American. And I think and I think that if this selling this doom is just not, you know, this is not the right way to convince people to get. Into Bitcoin, right? This is the way the gold bugs were, have been pushing it. Because that's the only thing that they can push, right? Is like the world's gonna end. You need gold, you need to dig it in your backyard, you need to hold it because that's a, that, that's if you turn on these gold selling channels, that's what they're pushing, right? But we do not need to push that on Bitcoin. We we there is a future for Bitcoin in which the financial markets and the financial world does not collapse. And I think that's likely, and I think that's that's what resonates with with most people. They, they resonate the whole the whole system is going to collapse, and we're going to go to cold wallets. That is not a mainstream view.
2: Yeah, I, I, I agree with you on this. I think there's a pretty decent possibility that that we figure out a a way for things to be less chaotic. I think that I think we we got to be prepared for the chaos so that the chaos doesn't come. You know, that's kind of a, something that seems to work in general. But speaking of the gold bugs, let me ask you this, because uh, w- one of the narratives that I grew up with in the libertarian world was that gold was being manipulated by Wall Street because they were selling paper gold and they were suppressing the price. And gold should have been at six thousand uh, uh, dollars an ounce already. And then, of course, a lot of people, you know, perhaps out of ignorance or perhaps out of caution, right, are concerned that that this could be a vehicle to manipulate the Bitcoin price. Um, What are your What are your thoughts on that, Fred?
5: I mean,
3: look the way the way that these ETFs work. Okay, is you have to have deposited the Bitcoin in the custodian, like Coinbase, and then once Coinbase has the, the the Bitcoin, once they have the actual Bitcoin. And it's, you know, again, Coinbase is a public company. All the stuff's audited. Once they have the Bitcoin, they give you a receipt for the Bitcoin. And you take that receipt and you can create a depository share, which is what the ETF is. It's a depository share for receipt of the Bitcoin that's held in a custodian, a separate custodian. So you cannot make these coins. Now, can somebody... Uh, sell a share short of the ETF. Yeah, they can sell a share short of the ETF. There's short sales and derivatives and all this stuff have existed in every single thing ever since the beginning of time, ever. Okay. Whether, whether you're talking gold, whether you're talking stocks, you know, whether you're talking GameStop, right. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Right. Like you can have, you can short sell this stuff and, you know, I let me just give you an example because I was a dealer right on Wall Street. you know so what people would come to me and they'd say, Fred, I want you to quote me the uh, you know the 10 year Aussie bond uh, for 50 million. I'd be like, okay, do I have any ten year Aussie bonds in my inventory? Nope, I don't have any. I'd be go. I go, your price is ninety eight point six and they'd be like, done, sold. okay, so now I've sold somebody fifty million dollars of a bond that I didn't have right? So what would I do? Well, I I need to get those bonds, but I couldn't just call somebody and say, give me the exact bond that I sold to the guy. What I would do is I would sell some bond futures, right? Or something to hedge myself, right? So I don't have market risk. So that if, you know, if if, uh, Alan Greenspan came out with something, I'd be hedged, right? Um, And now what I would do is over the next, you know, over the next day or two, I would start looking for that bond, right? okay? And I would have like a five-day settlement on this bond. So I have a couple days to go find this bond, right? And, you know, I would get the bond, and then I would close the thing out, and I would have a margin on what to do. So this is the way things are traded. This is, you know, you know, this is just trading, 101. This is trading. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's not like manufacturing large amounts of paper Bitcoin that are going to be... It's not like you're going to be like, there's hundred there's 100 million Bitcoin on, uh, on Wall Street out of a total circulation of 21 million. That's just not how this stuff's going to work,
2: right? Okay, that's, but that's, that's really interesting. So because the speed at which Bitcoin moves is obviously much faster than the speed at which Wall Street can settle. Um, so we, we have that example, for example, of Overstock, right? Overstock.com, you know, I think he was in a huge lawsuit against Wall Street. I'm, I don't remember exactly which brokers because allegedly they were overselling
3: uh, well, uh, Overstock. So, yeah. So, look, oh. I, I actually know Patrick Byrne. Okay. Like, so, so I know Patrick. Okay. I, 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 and by the way, I worked with Patrick's brother for two years on Wall Street, Mark Byrne. Okay. Mark Byrne, and I can tell you the whole Byrne family, and they're very close friends with Buffett. Okay. And I know the Byrne family. Okay. And I've even met the dad who ran Fireman's Fund. Right. This is like, you know, and he was recruited for Buffett to run Geico. Right, so I know these guys, right? And so, yeah, what he was saying is, look, people are naked short selling uh, my stock, and they're putting pressure on it, right? And yeah, this stuff happens. You know, there are short sells, there are there are bear attacks on stock, and could somebody do a bear attack on Bitcoin? Yeah, could they also do a bull attack on Bitcoin? Yeah, everything can happen with derivatives, right? The derivatives market's enormous. And it's not something, and by the way, it doesn't even have to do with Wall Street, right? I mean, you know, BitMEX did the same thing on uh, Perpetuals, you know, three, four years ago, right? Binance is doing the same thing every day. So derivatives are not something bad that's new with Wall Street. Um, This is is part of the landscape. And I think, if anything, this stuff's going to get much more regulated when you're dealing with... uh, when you're dealing with etfs then i mean just you have no idea what's going on inside of binance zero right you have no idea what's going on some of these uh some of these things you know that are well like ftx was a perfect example right they were they were kind of in in this business right perpetuals right that and as it turned out it was complete paper right so you know, we've come from that world. We come from the paper world. We're cleaning it up. This is a much more cleaned up version of that. And so, yeah, I don't think you. Sh- I would worry about it. Like, I'm, I'm not more, Don't worry about Wall Street making this worse because it's just the way it is. That's the way it is.
2: Okay. British Huddle, you had. You've been laughing about this gold question. What What are your thoughts?
6: Yeah, my, uh, nice to share the stage with you guys. Can you guys hear me, personally? Yeah, 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 you're good. Go for That's, it. So uh, yeah, I mean, Thanks you know, for... every every I yeah. was in the gold space, right? And every doom and gloom boomer talked about every all the gold being manipulated and it should be twenty thousand dollars an ounce and all sort of this stuff. You know, companies have been sued for manipulating precious metals markets, and the biggest one was J.P. Morgan, and it's crap things of it's like pennies on the dollar of manipulation. And then you can go and look this up, by the way. Right, the biggest lawsuit was for spoofing. Spoofing is when you place orders into the market and then remove them as the price walks close to the order. Because you basically manipulated the order book. That's it. No one has ever been brought up for gold manipulation or silver manipulation like the doom and gloom boomers talk about. This is not a big problem. That it's not at least it's not as big of a problem uh, as everyone likes to make out. And everyone always believes you know Venezuela and uh lebanon and all these things that are going to happen in a country like the united states of america we're talking about two very very different things here and i can understand why it's easy to get sucked into the doom and gloom boom uh doom and gloom boomer uh talking point but reality doesn't really work like that for you know these countries that are for you know the united states is an empire right uk is an empire um it's not going to happen and the and the and the metals manipulation and stuff like that it's actually less possible with bitcoin no matter what manipulation happened with gold and silver it's less possible with bitcoin because the spreads are so thin and you can settle uh the, the, you can settle the the instrument very very quickly compared to those uh compared to the metals products so a lot of this is fear mongering. I, I believe that it, is, you know, the, the premier solution is self custody. But I think if you're in the United States, you're in the UK, you're in a European country, then I think utilizing an American ETF uh, is as close to a good option to self custody as you have.
2: Yeah, uh, British, uh, British Huddle. Uh, I think you might be holding, putting your your thumb on the mic or something. Just, uh, just, uh, just check that um but no, i i could hear you well enough um you know there's this post by balaji's uh, recently on the history of gold confiscation which is another concern that i think is 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 something that people are thinking about it. we might as well address it right uh 6102 order right uh, right in the middle of the two wars the, the two great wars um gold gets confiscated i believe it was FDR, right and um you know it was a you know balaji argues that it was a different era Right. But we know that like at the end of the day, the the biggest threat that 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 is, you know, on the table is actually some sort of Bitcoin confiscation under if we entered a scenario where there was a world war and like, you know, America needs funds or something. It's threatening the dollar. Right. Like maybe 10, 20 years down the line. Um, Is this something that you guys foresee or how is this how how is this moment different than than the, the the 1930s, 1935, when, when you know, America seized gold, right? Because, yeah, you know, we're saying, like, you know, we're in the top of the empire, this doesn't happen, and this stuff has happened, right? So uh, maybe... Well, let's, um, talk, let's, talk, let's
6: talk about it. that a second, right? So what percentage of the gold was actually seized in that 6 one 2 order? It was 12%. 12% of the gold, because you know what people did? They said, fuck that, I'm not doing that. So it didn't work back then. And it's not going to work now. And if, if, again, you've got to remember, America's not run by a dictatorship, right? Even though it can feel like that for certain periods of time, it's not run, like, it's not run by a dictatorship. So there's going to be a lot of bureaucrat- bureaucratic bullshit that happens before anything like that happens. Because a move like that would threaten the very fabric of the American capital markets, which is the empire. a lot of people don't realize that the American capital markets is the empire. And if you threaten that ever, you're going to, that's a bigger risk than actually seizing the, seizing the Bitcoin. A better way to do it would be to process down this aisle of, okay, we're going to ban self-custody. Even that's not going to happen, but that would be a better option because then at least you control the Bitcoin within the, within American funds and within American borders, um, I just, I I just see all of this as really wild speculation that's not going to happen at least, you know, for the next fifty years. Well, we
2: we did see the confiscation of Russian treasury reserves and their gold right in in London, right, and and we saw. The USA basically blocking payments to bondholders of, of, of Russian treasuries. Countries so like are like different. We kind of crossed the the Rubicon on that front, no?
6: No, countries are different, right? Like, so if a country has a another geopolitical battle with another country, they're obviously going to use their muscles to flex that. I'm talking about as Americans or Brits, right? I'm not talking about like if you're a country that is that is trying to go to a proxy war with the with the current empire. That's not what I'm talking about. It's a whole different scenario. In that scenario, I would hope Russia doesn't store its Bitcoin uh, with U.S. custody, right? I think mean, that would be stupid. And the beautiful thing about it is for the first time, they can actually do that without having too much cost attached to it. So, um, yeah, I'm not talking about countries. I'm talking about individuals that are thinking about and utilizing ETF or versus self-custody.
2: Fair enough. Fred, uh, your thoughts, and then let's go with Tony.
3: This is not something, trying to draw an analogy with this is like everything's wrong, right? So what what happened back then? Well, first of all, gold was backed, you know, we, we had a, uh, uh, the U.S. dollar had a value in gold, right? So it's not like right now the U.S. dollar is backed in Bitcoin, right? So, you know, it's, it's sort of saying something was confiscated 90 years ago. Okay, twelve percent of something was confiscated ninety years ago. Therefore, we should be worried that they're going to seize our Bitcoin inside of super-regulated mainstream brokers' accounts. I just, you know, I just don't. I just I'm not. You know, they could they seize your house as well. Maybe you know, they like this is this is so crazy, lunatic fringe thinking. That it's just not uh, it's not a it's not a reasonable thing for, for 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 the U.S. Now, you know, should should you still hold some some stuff in self custody? Yeah, as I said, there are a lot of things that can happen. You know, you may get sued. You may have some. You may need to leave the country in a hurry. There's a lot of reasons you may need to send money to your cousin in India, right? And you don't want to go through the the, the reporting and other problems, uh, you know, doing wire transfers to India. There's a lot of reasons why you may want to have some Bitcoin in your own possession. I am not, I'm not saying you should not, right? But to to say that, you know, the world is about to end and we're, I mean, just listen to you guys talk. Some of it, it just, I mean, it's, it's honestly, it sounds insane, right? If you sort of think we're going to become like Lebanon you guys we're gonna be walking around with cold wallets in, in the street, right? It's like you're gonna be buying coffee with lightning, you know, like that's like gonna be a normal thing to this just is not the way the US is gonna that's not the way things are gonna play out in the United States over the next ten to twenty years. That's just not. So if you're doing if you're doing something, if that's your plan, you're some, you're deluding yourself. That's just not the way this is not the way things are going, and you know. And I also think it's very, very inefficient to uh, to try to orange pill people one at a time, right? You know, listen, I've I've tried it, I've done that, and by the way, I've been to El Salvador twice on orange pilling missions, right? And dealing with the government there and everything else. So you know, I I, I know what I'm talking about. I you know, I run lightning nodes, all this stuff. So I know what I'm talking about. I I understand this stuff very well. It's very very hard to convince people to do what hardcore bitcoiners do. It's it's not easy at all, right? And um, it's not easy in any kind of at any kind of scale. And I said to British, I said, you know, British is always get get to one bitcoin. I said, okay, how many people do you think you've convinced to get to one bitcoin? And you know, I don't know how many. Maybe it's ten. Maybe it's maybe it's a hundred. You know, I don't know. But like this is like the guy who's the most adamant on all of YouTube and crypto Twitter, pushing people to get one bidding. I love his message. I think it's great. But, you know, probably probably under 100 people listen to him, right? So I don't think you've got, you know, I just don't think this is super scalable. Now, what is scalable is yesterday you had 700,000 individual transactions on ETF. 700,000 yesterday, right? So whether they're flipping it for ten seconds, whether they're buying in and out, we know that this thing is is a means that works. Right? We have adoption that works, and people can people can buy it. It's so easy. So that stuff works. You know, giving people their cold card wallet doesn't work. Look,
2: I'll... It, it it works for those who dare, for those who really I'll, want it. I'll,
1: I'll chime in here for a few seconds. Look, for for the record. <laughs> I love the United States, okay? I know a lot of amazing people in the United States. I don't wanna see the United States go, go to shit, okay? That's just for the record, put it out there. And two, this is not about fear mongering. This is about looking at what's going on, you know? Like, I mean, the signs are, are in, in plain daylight. There's no, no one, I'm not making any of this stuff up. Um, if it was so easy, it wouldn't have value, okay? If you bought Bitcoin back in 2009, it was a hundred times more complicated to do that <clears throat> than it is today. You know, but what's you know, but what's what's the what's the reward by doing that? If you were if you bought it in 2009 and you somehow held it up until today, well, you're laughing, right? Again, because it's hard; it's not accessible to everyone. Once it becomes accessible to everyone, then it's not as valuable as it. As it, as it is when it's not as accessible. and But that the difference is it requires you to do the work, to learn in order to get in ahead of the game so that you can benefit from being one of the first in lines. Now, <clears throat> another point you made was with regards to lunacy. All right. Well, just to, just to respond to that, what do you think the last three years were? You don't consider that lunacy when they locked every single human being like a fucking donkey in their homes for an imaginary bullshit you know that that went that spread globally you don't call that lunacy how is that possible if it's not funded by an infinite money printing all right so when you tell me that this is how the game is played no i don't agree this is how the game is played now but that game must be must be terminated if you want a chance of a better future and especially one for your kids if you have them where the where where the life is not manipulated you know, by a bunch of people that who want to play God, essentially, you know, so that's 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 something else that's kept in mind. And if you think what happened in Lebanon is not cannot happen in Lebanon in, in the United States, you are wrong, in my opinion, because the folks in Lebanon also did not think that this was possible in Lebanon. For the past 30 years in Lebanon, the banking system was touted as a five star example to follow. There was an inflow of money, you know, endless inflow of money into the country extremely high interest rates that people were attracted to, you know, like the, the one of the five-star Ponzi schemes, if you want, was created in Lebanon for the past 30 years. And eventually even that exploded as much as some people thought that was impossible. It happened, and it happened violently. It happened within a span of two days. You know, the average person is not sitting in a financially comfortable position. The average person all of a sudden knows what the word inflation means, okay? When they're making $2,000 a month, but their expenses are $2,700, and they're like, what the fuck just happened? How can I pay for this stuff? It's, it's almost impossible. When these people, you know, their situation worsens, what do you think is going to happen? That's, that's what I want to know. You know, like, I mean, in the United States, and again, this is not fear-mongering. These are facts. In the United States, there's over 300 million um, uh, privately-owned assault weapons. If, if most of these people no longer can afford their everyday living. What do you think is going to happen? Am I crazy? I'm not crazy. I've seen it happen. Good people put in extreme situations can do bad, bad things, okay? Not because they're bad people. It's because they have no choice, okay? And these are not all of a sudden criminals. These are victims, casualties of a system that was designed to destroy them. And, you know, it's just a matter of time. When, you know, when your turn comes, it's, it's just math, okay? So if you want to be in a position to not be you know susceptible to all these things you have to own your money all right now the etf sure it'll bring plenty of attention sure it'll make you know it'll take it mainstream but you are still not doing things the way bitcoin was created to for you are still you know doing bitcoin according to tradfi rules bitcoin wasn't designed to be regulated it cannot be regulated Anyone that thinks you can stop peer-to-peer transactions is a fool. It's like almost saying, you know, you're going to stop peer-to-peer transactions. It's like thinking you're going to stop the wind from blowing. You know, like you have to be an utter fool to think that's even possible. And an even bigger one, you know, to think that, you know, somehow someone's going to find a way to do it. You know, like you, you have to be realistic here. And that's where, you know, it takes time and effort to study what this thing is about and why it's such you know it's such like almost like an eighth wonder of the world in terms of innovation in what is what it is what's providing to the world i mean we've never seen anything like this this is why this is why it's such a big deal this is why it's too good to be true this is why in my opinion so many people have a hard time believing it why they dismiss it why they ignore it you know that arrogance That they think, you know, that just because they're at a certain level of financial privilege, that they're somehow untouchable. This is an illusion that I've seen many people, you know, hide behind to all of a sudden wake up one day completely blown up. You know, so it's very important to understand, you know, the reality of things. You know, we live in a world where you don't control the rules and the rules are not made by people who necessarily have your best interest in mind. Like I said, the past three years I've been the perfect example of this, and if that's not a wake-up call, like fuck, man, I don't know what 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 what's it going to take. Mm. Well,
3: I I I disagree, but I, look, you know. It, we're not going to resolve this like this. i'm not, i'm not, I'm gonna say, is it lunacy? The world is crazy, right? now, And I think you know the COVID thing was crazy, and I agree with you there, right? Uh, i just I just don't see the system ending uh, anytime soon. And you know, comparing Lebanon, you know, I'll go back to what Hoddle said, you know, you're looking at a country with a twenty three billion dollar GDP and the u s. is a twenty five trillion dollar GDP. I mean, you know, it's sort of like looking at the, looking at an ant and trying to understand an elephant, you know, it's just, it's really that's, that's the ratio of these two things. So yeah, you know, we're talking the United States here and it, we're not talking Russia even. We're not, you know, this is, there, this is, you know, this is half the world, right? This is. Uh, <laughs>
1: Listen,
3: so, I, 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 <laughs> I get, I get what you're
1: saying, Fred. I I totally get it, but it's like, almost like putting this chick up on a pedestal. You think the United States is untouchable because it is where it is today. There's been many empires before the United States that have also thought themselves untouchable and look where they are now. They're nowhere to be seen. Okay. Again, I don't want to see that happen to the United States. I love the United States. I love the American people, but what's happening in the United States is not the United States that I grew up um, knowing okay it's no longer the same country it's no longer the same state of affairs you know we're, that we're seeing today, unfortunately, this is what's happening, and i don't want to see it go to shit, but as long as you know the the separation of money and state that is categorically what must happen if you want to save the United States in my opinion, okay, if you want to save most of most most of the world, you have to separate money from the state. You have to separate it from, uh, from those in a position to abuse it because anyone given the opportunity will 100% do so, okay? And Bitcoin puts an end to this bullshit. It allows no one to change the rules. it They are the same no matter who you are, no matter what your net worth is, you can't decide anything for anyone but yourself. That's it. Look, I I actually
3: am not disagreeing with you longer term, right? So I, I think if you ask me longer term, will Bitcoin replace the dollar, the yen, the euro over time? I mean, uh, you know, let's talk at 30 years, 30, 40 years. Yeah, I think it will, right? Um, I, I do think that at some point, you know, sats are going to become – just like dollars today. And, you know, it's, you know, you've got all these countries now, like the fact that El Salvador uses Bitcoin, I mean, it uses uh, dollars, you know, and Argentina's using dollars. Why are they using our currency? It's just crazy, right? <laughs> you know, they might as well use Bitcoin, you know. It's just, you know, it's there's no reason to use the U.S. dollar as, as their currency. So I think I agree with you. That's where we are long-term headed. And that's why, you know, I do think that the Bitcoin as a network, as a, as as the intention, it, it's the only, it's the only shot that we have at this. Also, right? It's not going to be Ethereum. It's not going to be Solana. It's, you know, none of these things have any shot at ever, ever replacing the dollar. Bitcoin does, right? Bitcoin does, and it you know, and it will. I I believe you. I'm with you. I think it will a hundred percent. I just. I think the, the timing of this is, you know, as kind of Joe was saying earlier. Look, the first thing we have to do is we have to get the investment case for Bitcoin among people who are very rich. You know, uh, you know, among the among the wealthy Americans, we gotta we gotta penetrate the fortress from within, right? And we we penetrate the fortress, we get this accepted, we get it so it's the number one ETF. You know, among all these other ETFs, and everybody's now understands Bitcoin and you know suddenly banks allow you to buy Bitcoin and you know now you can use Bitcoin in your ATM. You know, you can just would you like to deposit your money and give me a Bitcoin address. Great. So all this is going to happen over the next five years, I think, right? So we're gonna have the mainstream integration of Bitcoin into the financial fabric of America. That's the first thing that happens, right? And then after that happens, and we've now got traction with this and Bitcoin's at a million, right? And now it's worth more than gold, right? Um, you know, I think at that point, you know, now we can start saying, you know, now sites like Amazon are going to say pay in sats, right? Yeah, that that will happen, right? And And, you know, you know, something, whether it's Lightning or some kind of L2, you know, in the next 10 years, it's going to and then you're going to be able to use your mobile phone and you're going to be able to transact directly in bitcoin right that will happen but there's a path to get there right the path to get there is not to promote this idea that the world's going to end and we're all going to basically be you know hunter gatherers like on the like blade runner you know what i mean in these kind of decrepit (laughs) cities that are falling that's not what i'm saying (laughs) (laughs) okay but that's the that's the vision right when i listen to you i think of uh rutger Hauer, right the main guy in blade or the android in blade runner and and, you know rutger was a friend of mine i knew him very well you know we we were we were we're we're quite close friends and you know But I I kind of view that as this vision of the future. And, you know, in that vision of the future, you need to have your cold wallet, right? But I just don't think that's the future I see us going to. I see us going to a future where, you know, Bitcoin starts getting integrated into investments, into investment portfolios. Then it gets integrated into apps. Like right now, it's very well integrated into Cash App, right? It's fantastic, right? And it's going to get integrated into the cash app of Japan, and you know all these things, right? And then, and then finally, it'll just be there, and it'll be there, and it'll be, uh, it, and and somebody will say, hey, "Just pay me in Bitcoin, you know, pay me in Bitcoin." It'll be, yeah, you know, it's a little bit better than dollars. And you know, I think I think we're going to get there. And I think let's just say it's a twenty year, twenty plus year time frame from where we are, because. You know, I've been around the block in Bitcoin since, you know, pretty actively since, you know, I did sort of Bitcoin meetups in my office in 2015, right? So, you know, it's been eight years for me and I sort of, I don't think it's happening in the next eight years, but I think, you know, I think we'll get there in, in two decades. So that's why yeah. I'm, yeah. I think it's going to be, it's going to be such a great asset to hold if you've, if you've got a long-term, if you got enough of long-term religion that you can hold it. And I think. You know, one of the benefits of cold storage is this, is that you put a block between you selling it, so it's, it's you know, it's good for yourself, you know, and I, like Hoddle, we were talking yesterday, and he is like, he's got his like cold storage in three countries, right? So he's basically said to himself, I'm going to make it so hard for me to sell that I'm going to have to go to three countries to unlock my wallet, right? And... You know, I think you know. Part of this is like you just have to. Your own worst enemy in this is yourself, right? Because you're gonna, you're going to outsmart yourself, and you know, you're going to be like, "Yeah, market feels weak today." You know, it's at 43.5. Market feels weak. You know what? I'm just going to sell my wad right here, and I'll buy it back at thirty eight, right? And you're going to do your technical analysis, and you're going to come to the great conclusion: you can, you can figure this out. And guess what? If just just when we thought it was all over, the market's going to god candle up to sixty five, right? And that's you know that's what we know. Bitcoin does it just does everything that you cannot expect. This asset does, and it does it on like four, to, like literally ten days a year. All the all the action is ten days a year. So you, know, you can't predict those assets, those days. You cannot predict them. And all the charts in the world and all this analysis will not get you those 10 days. And that's one thing I I absolutely fundamentally know in my bones is I cannot predict the short-term Bitcoin. I can't predict it. And I also can't get in and out of Bitcoin. So I have to be just net long-term hold. So I think self-custody, the best reason to be in self-custody is it makes you very, very careful about ever getting out. So that's why I love self-custody. And I think that's a, it's a, it's a, that alone is a good enough reason to well, self-custody. Look,
1: I, I, agree, I agree with most of everything that you just said now. I do I do believe that at some point, you know, sats will be the, the norm, sats will be the standard because, you know, <laughs> the Bitcoin will be gone. There'll, there won't be enough of it to go around anymore. So people will be talking in sats. With regards to self-custody, you also have to be careful not to overcomplicate that maze, you know, to sort of lock yourself in. But at the same time, you don't want to lock yourself out by uh by you know forgetting a step or missing a step or you know like doing something of, of of that sort you also have to account like in in cases of emergency you know can you always access your funds quickly you know if the answer is no well maybe you have to revise you know that uh, that strategy it's a work in progress it's it's going to be a transition there's no doubt about this you know but fundamentally i think you know people should take the time and understand that the, you know, if you're still thinking that your value, monetary wise, is in fiat, I think you're com- you're making a mistake. You still don't understand Bitcoin. Fiat is a debasing is debasing money. It has no value. It is backed by nothing. Oh. You know, you people complain about Bitcoin backed by nothing. Fiat is is backed by even more nothing other than threats of violence. So that's
3: so. What I, well, one thing to think about, though. So I agree with you. That, look. One thing that really got me to hold Bitcoin, right, and I've been holding it for years now, right, one of the things that got me to hold it through 2022, right, was in in 2021, I remember reading uh, from Sailor, but Sailor was interviewed, this guy at and NYDIG, right? And I forgot the guy's name, right? And he said, one of my, like, hacks was to start thinking in terms of how much not how much dollars do i have but how many bitcoin do i have right and i was like you know the market was was doing well right and i was like <clears> yeah i think that's a pretty good way to think of it you know let's let me just focus on my bitcoin and not look at it in terms of i own x million dollars but to say i own x bitcoin right and i really feel like that was very very helpful for me as just a mental hack to to sort of, you know, kind of weather this thing, you know, and a lot of people, a lot of people sold, a lot of people partially sold, you know, a lot of, I, I really was, I was pretty okay with the entire move down, you know, I was, you know, I, I didn't panic at all. In fact, I ended up buying more, right? So, you know, I had a lot of Bitcoin in, in November of 2021. I have, you know, substantially more uh, in now, because I bought a bunch, and I bought other things like MSTR and and GBTC, and you know some of these things have been done out, outperformed even Bitcoin, right? Now I, I kind of as as, as I posted, I, I got rid of my MSTR. I still have my GBTC, you know, it's fine, and I'm not I'm not necessarily in a hurry to sell that. But you know, I think you have to if you're going to approach this as a long term thing. You have to th- you have to think in Bitcoin right you just have to start thinking you know this is this is who what this is my 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 nut is X amount of Bitcoin right that that's important psychological thing uh, now I am very interested in what I can buy with that Bitcoin right because either my Bitcoin uh is is enough for me to you know buy eventually another house in uh or an apartment in Paris right I'd love to have a, a Uh, a third house, right, in Paris. I'd love to have an apartment there. Um, And I don't really need that much more, but I I do sort of, you know, (laughs) I do sort of think, okay, great. I'd like to get that. You know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll, you know, you know, I used to have a jet, you know, I used to fly private for years, right, net jets, right? And I, I sort of like, maybe I'll go back to having a jet again, you know? I don't really need to have a jet, but, you know, at Bitcoin a million, I'm going to get a jet, you know, I'm a hundred percent going to fly private. Like why? Yeah. When Fred gets a jet, uh, start taking profits. <laughs> yeah. <you know>? <laughs> <laughs> well, I had, I, I was a pretty good signal for that because I had a jet from 1998 to 2000. <laughs> so sure. My getting out of the jet in 2000 was a great market call for tech. <laughs>
2: Same, I was flying around, uh, yeah, I was basically on vacation for like three months. So, yeah. <laughs> if you see me in Florida partying, I uh, started taking
3: profits. Yeah. Um. So, I mean,
2: this has been right, amazing right now, so not, far. I'm not, um, at, I'm
3: not real estate shopping and I'm not jet shopping or anything like that right now, right?
2: Yeah, we're not and, there yet. We're not there yeah, yet. We're not
3: there yet. And and by the way, we're not there at 100000 in my book, right? So. I mean, you You know, like, so, like, you know... Uh, you know I really don't think and some people are like, when where do you sell? And I'm like, first of all, I'm not selling until the end of this cycle at all. I mean in any part, right like my my New year's resolution uh, last December was don't sell a single bitcoin in uh, 2024 right at, at any price. It's just like that that's my time base I put put a put a put a limit on I will not sell a bitcoin in 2024 at any price. And so, at 2025, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I think things could go completely berserk and parabolic uh, this yeah. cycle, right? I, I do believe that, right? I think we could get to half a million, a million this cycle. It's possible, right? Because things, you know, I, <laughs> you know, I have bet lived more cycles than most of the people here. And I got to tell you, you know, I was I was very involved in uh, Japan, right in uh, in the Japanese market between 1990 and 1992, and I would be going to Tokyo very very frequently, and um, you know, heavily trading you know Japanese warrants and all kinds of things, right? And, and you know, I was running a, a position in. Uh, Um, Japan government bonds versus swaps, in 1990, that was a billion dollars, right? So for Greenwich Capital, we had a billion dollars of this trade on. So, you know, that would be, you know, 10 billion today in terms of, you know, just in terms of the money flows, right? If I, equivalent stuff. So I was running a prop trading position of a billion dollars on which I personally was making 20% of all my profits, right? Right. So you can just you can run the numbers. It was pretty. It was a pretty. It was a pretty good position. And I and look, Japan was. You think Bitcoin's great? Well, Japan was Japan from the eighties to the ninety early to nineteen ninety was just an amazing run, right? They were going to take over the world, right? And you know, in nineteen ninety two, the market, the music stopped, and it you know the. The Japanese stock market is still below where it was in 1992. So, um, you know, things, things can stop for a very long time. And, you know, even though the Bitcoin the network might keep going for a very long time, it's possible that Bitcoin price stalls out, you know, from four years from now, and it does a 10-year break till 14 years from now. And if that's the case, you know, I would rather... <laughs> have some of my money out of the thing. I'm not saying I think if you're young, yeah, you can probably just you can hold onto this thing for 40 years, you know. If your time frame's a little shorter, yeah, I mean, you know, take take some profit off the table. So that that's kind of my long-term right sort of but, view. I'll say
2: this, it's nice to have a house and not have to pay rent during a bear market. Uh, that's uh that's a real real uh, upgrade right there not having to pay rent. It's one of the biggest expenses, but uh we 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 have a a, a poll uh, up on the nest uh, by Bitcoin News um, on this question of self custody versus the Bitcoin ETF. You know, are you are you buying the ETF? Or are you just stacking more sats in a self custody way? Let us know where you guys are at. We have uh, a lot of people on the on the on the spaces. It's awesome. Thank you so much for joining us and being part of this conversation. I think this is you know a pivotal moment in Bitcoin history, and and there is a lot of a lot of. Uh, perspectives and dimensions to, to explore here. And, you know, we're in different timelines as well. So like definitely going to the poll, have a, have a look at it. We have a lot of cool stuff in the nest as well. So check it out. And um, you know, there's this, um, well, actually, I think Fred, you want to say something else or Tony?
1: I'll I'll just finish off by saying, by saying Bitcoin is the black hole that's going to suck in everything at, you know, much sooner than most people think because it's the only asset you can actually trust. So, uh, and if anyone needs any help, you know, making sure that it's properly safeguarded in self-custody, you know, you're welcome to find me, you know, at the Bitcoin Way. It's what we do every day. Um, If you think you've got a good setup, you know, well, let's have a conversation. It'll cost you nothing. The first 30 minutes are free. And if I can blow up your model, then, you know, maybe it's time to reconsider what you thought was a good formula. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at some point, we always find the sweet spot between security and practicality. So
2: yeah yeah i wasn't trying to win the call by the way i think uh, i was just shouting out the box oh, i want to get right. some i want to see what kind keep, of numbers keep it
0: going
3: i just have to hop i'm not the safer yeah really we enjoy the spaces guys so yeah. i just have to hop but thanks guys for, sure. for having me on this thing and look i, I just want to finish by saying listen i'm i support everybody who goes in self-custody i support it i have a yeah, I ninety eight percent in self custody. I may go down to fifty percent eventually with these ETFs, but I I am I am a hundred percent in favor of self custody, and we do it right. And you know, uh, sounds like there's some people on this call who can help you if you're if you if you don't know what about self custody is or how to do it. So with that, I'm going to hang up and thank you guys for having me. Bye. Thank you, Fred. It's great to have you and we'd love to
2: have you again great anytime, chat, man. man. Thanks that was for the, that was awesome. Thanks
1: for the conversation, man.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, Tony, Tony uh is a pro at the self-custody stuff with with the Bitcoin way. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about it because I think I think we're entering now the the stage in the conversation. We we've explored the Trojan horse into Wall Street, right? we explored how how Bitcoin, you know, is a big, nice golden gift to the wall street sort of brokers that are going to make fat commissions right and i think we i think we have an idea as to how bitcoin will benefit from it obviously we're going to go to the moon right but now we're we're, get, we're the question is what is the trojan horse on the other side right like you know are they going to attack self custody are they going to try to ban self custody are they going to try to kyc everything i think they're clearly trying right and so you know, I mean the first step is like knowing that you can take self-custody and not everybody will, and not everybody will have the, the bandwidth for it. But uh uh Tony, you know, tell me tell us a little bit about what you guys do at the Bitcoin way for those who dare take control of their money and not give it to a third party to custody for them who for those who have you, the 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 and the and maybe the thread model uh, the appropriate thread model for this you know maybe it makes sense for you to grab a p- little piece right like grab twenty percent I think 50-50 is much better I'm personally what ninety percent uh, of my liquid uh, wealth in Bitcoin probably like seventy percent right uh, not counting real estate right and all of it is self custody right like most of it right I, ha- I do have trading camp so like I think I think this does make sense for some people if you do it right. So maybe give us a little bit of a of an overview of, of the Bitcoin way and 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 how you guys think about about self custody in this In this kind of brave new world that we're in,
1: at the Bitcoin way, I mean, the whole purpose why we put this team together is to fast track the onboarding of as many people as possible into proper self custody. Because I we realized that you know one of the biggest obstacles to self custody, first of all, is the technical aspects. You know, most people are not comfortable doing you know the, the the technicalities. Either it scares them, they're worried about making a mistake because it's a legitimate concern because if you make a mistake you know you can potentially lose your funds or lock yourself out of them so this is a very valid concern and we're aware of this and this is why we are offering all these services to essentially do the work for those that don't want to do it but what i mean by do the work all our consults are interactive we don't physically do anything we guide you you know as to how to do it with regards to all stages you know safeguarding your data setting up a properly air-gapped cold wallet, properly securing it. You know, same thing with the Bitcoin node. We make sure that every Bitcoiner categorically runs a Bitcoin node because without it, you are neither sovereign or private. You know, you're leaving fingerprints of all your transactions all over the place without your node. And, you know, with a node, you you are 100% sure that the Bitcoin blockchain that you're verifying against is legit. Like nobody's tampered with it because it's your hardware. It's sitting in your home or office. OK, so those at the very at the very basic level are your three elements that that's, that's uh, establish like a concrete foundation for your self-custody, for you to receive your coins, to make sure you can sleep well at night, knowing that they're safe. All right. So we we help folks with all of that stuff. We help them pick the hardware. We help them put it together. We get on a call. You know, I guide you. OK, press here. Do this. Check this. Check that. That's how we do it. We have zero remote control over anything. You are, you are the hands. We're just the instructions. And during that whole process, we break, we break down those complex terms into plain English. And there are no stupid questions at any point in time during the conversation. So in a very you know, short period of time, we're able to take someone at any age of any technical background. As long as you, you know, you're comfortable on a computer and a phone, you can definitely do this. So we can take you from zero to hero with regards to self-custody very quickly. And once your foundation is in place, the, the the comprehensive set of services that we offer, whether it's learning how to buy no KYC Bitcoin, whether it's understanding and learning about coin joins, whether it's inheritance planning, whether it's multi-sig, whether it's integrating Bitcoin payments into your business, and like much more, all of these things become much easier to scale into once the foundation is in place. And that's what, you know, What that's what we're here for, to help anyone who wants to do this, do it properly. Um, and obviously, you know, we're an IT team, you know, like we bring 25 years of cybersecurity, encryption and privacy into the space. So we our solutions are not, you know, copy-paste, off-the-shelf type of deployments. No, we personalize everything according to any, everybody's situation, it, you know, sp- specifically to find that sweet spot between, you know, the, a good level of security, but also a good level of practicality and usability for each individual based on their technical skills, their background, their situations, and what have you. And so this is what, this is what we do. And then once that's done, we have ongoing remote support forever, so we stay on top of any software updates, firmware upgrades, all of that stuff. So we're continuously fine-tuning um, the setup as the technology progresses because Bitcoin is technology. And as it moves forward, you know, there's going to be new, uh, new things available, new tools, new ways of doing things, things that will maybe simplify the process, things that will amplify the security. So our job is to always make sure that all of the people that we work with their Fort Knox remains Fort Knox, constantly fine-tuned all year round.
2: Right on. Yeah, I mean, self-custody is fantastic. It's it's a fascinating topic. There's uh there's a lot of dimensions. It's a bit of um like building your own lightsaber. You know, like not everybody's gonna be a Jedi. Not everybody's gonna have a lightsaber. Some people are gonna have it and they're gonna cut themselves. You know, they're gonna burn themselves with it. So you you have to kind of you have to be you have to go on a journey, right? You have to learn how to how to wield it, how to build it, how to take it apart. And uh, you know, good thing there's 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 good teachers out there, and I think you guys are doing a great job. And um and yeah, I mean it's 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 something worth learning because again, like I think I think I think you guys you know both you and Fred are right. I'm 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 less I'm I'm an optimist at heart. I think I think there's there's um, there's a pretty decent chance that humanity figures out how to navigate this chaos. But there's like a non-zero chance that things get crazy, and in that scenario, I think we need to have we need to be prepared, uh, and that's why it's good to have you know have some pro- have a good bag of Bitcoin and, and self self custodied and 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 properly uh, you know privatized and 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 so on. And I think that there's a lot of conversations to to be had on that front. So so definitely uh, check out what Tony's doing at the Bitcoin Way.
1: Yeah, I, I don't disagree with what Fred is saying. I mean, a lot of a lot of the things that he's saying are are correct, but I think he's he's coming from a unique position of someone who is, you know, financially privileged. So he may not necessarily see the world and situation from the same lens as someone who is struggling on a day-to-day basis, you know? And so that also can have an impact on, you know, your, your, your rationalization of, of things. You know, I think this is, this is where we differ, but ultimately, I mean, we're, I think we're both, Align in the same direction that bitcoin is definitely uh, a positive for the world um but you know if mm-hmm. you really want to um be in a position of full sovereignty and freedom you need to have full control over your money and the only way to do and the only way to do yeah, it is I, to own it yourself in self-custody that's it there's no there's no way around it
2: yeah it, it... Yeah, there's there's no and there's no perfect answer for everybody, right? Everybody has to find their own path in this to some degree because there's different there's different trade-offs and models for for each person. Even though there's like general groups, right, that are gonna prefer this or that. I think uh, at the end of the day, you kind of have to decide where and how you know you play this game. Um, we have uh, Dallas and Surfer Jim. Surfer Jim, you've been wanting to jump in for a bit. Uh, tell us what's on your mind, then uh, I want to hear what Dallas has to say about all this stuff.
7: Hey, good morning or good afternoon at this point, Juan. Thanks for hosting. It's been very interesting listening to you guys. And since I saw the title of the space, the uh, we- um, Weighing Advantages and Trade-Offs, you guys have covered a lot of stuff. Uh, I found myself agreeing with Tony way more than Fred, but I can see Fred sees the Bitcoin side of the argument, uh, but he's so um, so much more entrenched in the TradFi side that I, I get why he sees the sees things the way he sees it. I was curious, and it's too bad he's gone because I was really wondering if he would weigh in on this, but indirectly, he sort of confirmed my perspective, which is, it seems like, for me, it seems like a two-generation play. Uh, he mentioned a couple decades. I think two generations is anywhere between 40 to 60 years or 30 to 60 years. And It seems to me that with the, the money coming into the ETFs, a lot of people are going to now have an interest in Bitcoin, Tony might have even said things similar to this, and they're then going to care about that investment. And over time, they're going to learn that they can control it themselves, and they're going to wonder, why is it over there in the ETF? We've also got the dynamic that a lot of these older, tradified players, they're all going to die not, in the not-too-distant future, many of them, unfortunately. you know, I don't want anybody to die before God calls them home. But my point is, we've got a generation of new kids. Uh, many people in Bitcoin are in their 30s and 40s, and they're having kids. And so over time, the narrative is just going to come out. People are going to recognize that this is a money. It's not just an investment. And although they might be able to stick some of their value in it and it might go up over time, it's got characteristics that are just completely unique to everything else. And this is why I think it's a couple generation play, because a lot of people are going to die with the idea of Bitcoin's a Ponzi scheme. Others will wake up while they're still alive like like myself, I'm a boomer, right? I, I'm in my 60s, but I got it. I, I paid attention. I did the homework. So many people just don't. And I'm every day around these people, wealthy people that just don't want to do the homework, and they listen to the TV. And so a lot of those people die. Younger people grow up in a Bitcoin world with their parents. And I just think over time, new politicians get in, in uh, office. They don't want to ban Bitcoin because they own some. It's, it's going to be a tumultuous couple decades, in my opinion, because the old guard is not going to give up quickly or easily. But I do think in the end, Bitcoin wins because it has all the right incentives for individuals. I often say this. Bitcoin is incentivized for individuals, not groups. So although you hear a lot of people wanting governments to own Bitcoin, I would make the argument even in El Salvador, um, Bukele may have created conditions for a better country, but it's not because they own Bitcoin that there's a better country there's they, a better country because he put all the gang members in jail and that didn't have anything specifically to do with Bitcoin, more perhaps his perspective on freedom or something, which would be great. But it, just because the country of El Salvador owns Bitcoin, the residents don't directly benefit unless they spend it on the residents. Holding it doesn't help anybody except one day when it's spent and that value is turned into something else because it really in the end, it's a money. And if you don't spend it, you're just going to leave it to somebody else and somebody else gets to spend it. The point is, it's an individual thing. We're all incentivized to protect ourselves and as individuals on Bitcoin, whether they're in government, corporations, it does. they're not going to want it to die. They're going to push back against regulations that would restrict it. So we're in that that era right now where they're going to fight us really hard because these people either don't get it or they don't want to lose the power that they know they'll lose but over a long enough time, I still think we win. So thank you for letting me come up and say all that, Juan. It was a great discussion. Yeah. I learned a lot. And uh, I'd love to hear anybody else's um, feedback on what I happen to say and whether or not I'm far off or or whatnot. So thank you.
2: Jim, Jim, yeah, appreciate it. And actually, you brought up a question that I think is really important for people to answer. And you know, we, we might not answer it today, but I think it's a, a question people need to con- contemplate, which is... What does it mean for Bitcoin to win? You know, like I think we have a lot of scenarios, right? Like, what if this happens? Then here's how Bitcoin can deal with it. What if that happens? You know, there's a lot of contingencies. That's great. That's essential. That's fundamental. But what does it mean? What does victory look like? And I think I think this this crossing of the chasm is a a, a very clear uh, insight into what victory looks like. But maybe tell us, Jim, what does what does winning with Bitcoin mean for the world? And maybe uh, Dallas and Tony, you guys can take a shot at the question.
7: I'll answer it really quickly. And to me, winning is when governments start to shrink and freedom starts to show up back in the lives of individuals, because that whole couple of years of COVID just proved to us that as long as the governments can pay enforcers, we are going to be subjected to their arbitrary whims. But once the enforcers don't take their money anymore, that's when we'll start to see a changeover in society. Uh, when the enforcers realize Bitcoin is more valuable than the crappy money their government's paying them, they won't be so inclined to enforce the edicts of a few other people who are telling them what to do. Good stuff. That's good insight. Dallas, uh, you want to take it? Take a shot at it?
5: Um, yeah, I mean, I, I got a similar view. You know, I think there's kind of a couple of different camps of people who are here. You know, I th- I'd say definitely a lot, a lot more people on the younger side, right, I think have a um you know maybe sort of more libertarian idealistic view of like the kind of world that we can get to if you know as bitcoin has more success right it just uh changes the incentives and um you know there's just so much humanity's like held back because of you know the current incentives and restrictions and power held by bad actors because of the way that they're able to you know siphon off air quote like money for themselves and you know imply um, sort of ankles at the weights of you know the rest of society, not to be able to benefit from you know let's say things like technology in a way that we should, or you know impose laws that don't make sense and control over people. So I think that like, obviously we want to just move more in that direction. I think we will naturally as Bitcoin becomes a bigger thing. I hope, um, but yeah. Then I mean, just on the ETF stuff, and then I, I'm, I'm going to run. I may join you guys back in a little bit if you're still gone. But um, I think it's you know it's like you know everybody was sort of guessing, hey, oh my god, like we're, we're just going to have this you know, $10,000, $20,000 day, like the day Bitcoin's approved. And, you know, I think if anyone who's been here long enough really, you know, has learned is like wherever sort of everybody uh, irresponsibly piles on, whichever direction that is, it's it's just so advantageous for, you know, big pools of money and the big market makers and, you know, people who really drive price in either direction to kind of push in the opposite direction of retail. And so, you know, I think like the ETF getting approved was kind of the most obvious, trade ever, right? In, in that, you know, hey, oh my God, like we're definitely going up. And so what did everybody do? Everybody went long and not only did they go long, but they went so long thinking, oh, there's just no way that we're going to go sideways or go down. that this is the easiest trade of my life. And so, you know, sure, like you get an initial kind of run up, but then you get this massive pushback down the other way. And I mean, you look at every, you know, every time we make, you know, we go we go a little bit lower from kind of where things opened at when the ETF started and people are, you know, going long, but they're going long on leverage and going all long on leverage. And so it's just a lot of that's going to have to get eaten up um, because it's too easy not to and kind of force some liquidations on some people. And it's, I think, the same reason, again, why you saw ETH go up, right? I mean, I think a lot of people were thinking, oh, it's the easiest trade ever. Short ETH, go long Bitcoin, duh. That's like obviously what's going to happen and markets or anything but that, uh, but in the short term. But over the long term, you know, I mean, there's there's more and more money flowing into these ETFs, which is a good sign. Um, but there's also limits on like how quickly capital can flow in, right? Because, you know, imagine, uh, you know, whatever you've got, let's say BlackRock or somebody's ETF, let's say the whole thing's a few hundred million dollars. Like you can't just do a million, you can't just do a billion dollar buy, right? Because essentially you're buying a piece of an equity that has a couple hundred million dollar market cap. And then the price will go up a ton. And then it'll just get arbitraged back down, and then you end up just getting wrecked. And so, even you know, a lot of like big capital that wants to come in has to do so in smaller chunks and layer over time, et cetera. And so, it's going to take a little bit of time. Um, but you know, I think you know, I think people just have to manage what their like their risk responsibly and be careful. Uh, and if you're in it for the long term, then you know, being in it for the long term for sure um, is, is I think the right way to think about it. And I wouldn't, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't be too quick to draw conclusions about like, you know, success or failures of certain things happening. But yeah, ultimately I always say last point is just, I think a lot of these big groups are, you know, they're coming here for greed, right? There's an opportunity to make money. It's a new thing they can sell to clients. It's a new annual fee that they can rack up, but they'll stay for survival. You know, I think there's so much incentives for them to want to try to pump the, you know, scarcest fixed asset. Uh, that is Bitcoin, and by doing so, they will, um, I think, push it to a point of no return towards the upside and realize, oh shit, like we actually helped it get, you know, so big that we can't control this thing. And, you know, they have, they'll have no choice but to sort of bow to it and give it the respect that it deserves. And I think that'll keep playing out over the next couple of years. Tony, any thoughts
2: on that one? I think you, you've kind of given us a good sense of how you see it, but what what is what is the optimistic sort of victory case for Bitcoin. I agree
1: with bo- bo- both of you guys 100%. I mean, the victory case, yeah. uh, uh, the, in my view, is the separation of money and state. You know, we cannot have a better world as long as this continues. You know, governments need to be reminded that they work for the people. You know, they're not here to dictate how people live their lives. They're here to serve the best interests of the people who put them in those positions. That's something that has been completely forgotten in the past two three years. Um, somehow, those in power think they're godlike, you know, and uh, and have acted accordingly by f- by using and abusing a system, a rigged system that they currently have at their disposal to fund all of it, which makes it co- which makes it considerably easy to do. So, if we don't want to live in a world subjugated by such insanity, you know, well then. There's only two ways to do it, you know. Either you go completely Mad Max, as others have assumed. I was, in, I was insinuating, which I'm not. And you know, you go you go violent, you know, which nobody wants. Or you defund it, or you defund the system that's currently causing all of this, you know, nonsense. And by defunding it, you opt out of it. And Bitcoin is the only viable exit available to opt into because it's an asset that's you know, that has all the right incentives to benefit every individual out there. You know, you you can't, you can't abuse it, you can't manipulate it, you can't print it out of thin air, you can't do anything with it, you know, so it essentially makes your life easier by make helping you work less, you know, right now, you know, the world's like a hamster on a wheel, you are, you know, you are struggling to work more to sort of, fill that leaking bucket. And you're hoping at some point, you know, you're going to outrun the pace that it's leaking. You can't. It's a rigged system. It's a broken system. It's, it's just the way it is. So thankfully, there are people in government that realize this and are pushing back against the insanity. And that that's, you know, what keeps me very hopeful. So whatever the motives, whatever whatever the uh, the motives behind these ETFs are, I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. They're they're a positive for Bitcoin, regardless of what the motives are, and like it's been mentioned before, at some point, you know, even they're going to realize that, you know, what are we doing? This is the most valuable thing that we hold, and you know, it's, and you know, from that point on, you know, like the domino effect, you know, catapults, you know, even even at that level, but ultimately, you know, the separation of money and state is is really where where it's at. You know, you cannot be living in a world where money can be abused and weaponized against you. That's just not a viable solution, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm reminded of a, of a, of a saying, an idea that I got from um, uh, an old friend of mine. He said that corruption was what happens when the signals from the bottom of the pyramid are blocked on their way up and fail to get to the to the top of the pyramid, right? When when the signals from the body fail to reach the head, so to speak, and um, and so what happens is that the, let's say the top of the pyramid is now unaware of the shifting ground, the fresh shifting sands underneath them, and then the collapse starts to happen. And what I th- what I think just happened with the CTF is. We broke through that resistance. We unclogged. We broke through a major clog in the system. And now blood is going to start flowing again, you know, and it's going to be volatile and there's going to be volume and there's going to be uh, sparks and there's going to be entities within the pyramid, so to speak, that are going to be upset that they are losing the benefits they get from this corruption. Uh, and it's gonna be a long process. I, I think the time frames are important, right? I think we're 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 we are looking at 20 years, 30 years, maybe more, for the long term of this to play out. I think the United States will be the last the last uh country to really integrate Bitcoin probably. I think there's a very good case for that. But this is uh this is a major unclogging of the pipelines of society in the world. And uh I think the consequences are still kind of uh you know, people aren't really, I think, seeing or 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 um, quantifying how how this is going to play out. But I think it's going to be very, very interesting. We're we'll definitely entered the second, the second chapter uh, of Bitcoin story, and uh, I'm, I'm here for it. I think it's uh, I think it's great to be to be on board this journey. Very, very interesting stuff. Um, yeah, I think we're also and getting kind of to the end of this call. Um, I don't know if there's any any final thoughts. You know, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor as well. Uh, but uh, Tony, any any anything else that you think we should get into before we end this call? We have a great. I mean, this is one of the most successful shows we've done so far. So it's uh it's an honor to be to be a part of it.
1: Man, we are living in histo- in historical times. I mean, sometimes you know I wake up in the morning and like I. I can't believe, you know, you know, I'm actually witnessing something like this, you know, happen in my lifetime. Um, This is this is a big deal. It's a very, very big deal. You know, Bitcoin has been introduced to the world, you know, as as a gift by whoever Satoshi Nakamoto was. And uh, I think it's in everybody's best interest to take the time, learn it, study it, understand it properly. Um, except that, you know, there may be a lot of, uh, facts that you're going to have to unlearn because, you know, you've been misled, you know, since the day you were born essentially in the same way I have. And I, I realize that it's, it's, that's a very hard thing to do, you know, for, for a lot of folks, but, you know, you know, it's a, it's a progression. I don't think, uh, it's definitely not a, not, not a light switch, um, Timelines are very hard to predict. I'm a bit more bullish than you are. I don't think it'll take 20 to 30 years. I think it'll happen much, much sooner. Um, considering you know uh, all the all the insanity that's happening around the world, and especially if that money printer keeps going, you know, bananas like I expect it to, um, things will progressively get worse at a much faster pace. And you know, the worse they get, well, you know, the the the, the more people start paying attention to solutions that make sense to them and ultimately all roads will lead to bitcoin mm.
2: so yeah i i agree with you maybe the time frames are shorter and that'd be that'd be great and i'm here for it i think you know it'll take the time that it needs to take but uh you know appreciate the support you guys are giving us as well tony and uh, everybody check out the bitcoin way you know if you're ready for to take this off self, the self-custody journey seriously or maybe you want to do a little review of your self-custody because you know a lot of this is hard stuff right a lot of people kind of wing it you know so uh maybe it makes sense to get a jump on a call with tony and uh, have a look at, at your situation and see how you can improve it or how you can optimize it um so yeah appreciate that tony appreciate the bitcoin way and um actually just going to shout out uh again because you know i don't know if you all know this but uh you can already live in the bitcoin world we don't need to wait for 20 years for that to happen right like the Bitrefill has been helping people live on the Bitcoin standard for like at least half a decade, and you know you can you can keep doing it, right? And and uh, so for those that don't know, Bitrefill is a is a company that uh, sells gift cards, and they sell all kinds of gift cards for major suppliers, mm-hmm. major service providers, and vendors, right? And uh, you can buy these gift cards with Bitcoin. It's over ten thousand gift cards that you can purchase with Bitcoin. Tether, crypto, whatever. They were the first to integrate the Lightning network. So you can basically pay uh, you know, with pretty high privacy and very low fees. You know, it's kind of like the 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 golden the golden standard of purchasing, you know, uh protocols for a bitcoiner, right? Like you want to pay with Lightning, right? So you can buy, you can pay your gift cards, you, you can pay your 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 prepaid phones, refill your prepaid phones, you can buy eSIMs if you're traveling and you have the eSIM uh functionality in your phone, you can just get data without having to change your phone number and deal with all this SIM card nonsense. Right. Um, and uh, you can even get a visa mastercard, like a prepaid visa mastercard. If you're like in the, Euro- in the U S or Europe traveling or whatever, um, you can get one with them, right. A little bit more KYC involved. Right. But usually you can just, you can buy these gift cards without even giving them an email. Right. Which is amazing. Uh, but yeah, you can even get a prepaid uh, visa mastercard with them. Uh, so that's fantastic. So you know, if you sign up today, you use Bitcoin News code, you get ten percent Bitcoin cash back on your first purchase, right? So we're even making you money. I mean, what else? What else can you ask for? You know what I'm saying? Just, just let forget about the future. You know, live, live the Bitcoin lifestyle now. It's, uh, it's happening. Um, but uh, yeah, thank you everybody for joining us. Follow, follow the Bitcoin News Twitter account. Follow my account. Uh, we're on Spotify. If you got in late to this conversation, we'll be publishing this on Spotify soon. And we have all kinds of other great conversations we've had with amazing guests over the past six months. Uh, and they're, they're coming online on Spotify. So go check that out. We're also on the on Fountain app, which is uh, kind of a podcasting app that gives you sats for listening to, to great conversations. I mean, in that to me is just like a win-win-win. So uh, check that out uh, or just sign up to my newsletter at huangal.com and you'll get it uh, via email very soon. And you'll get the auto file. You can just download it and listen to it whenever you want. So, uh, yeah, those are my shout outs. Thank you everybody for joining us. Uh, Rob, what are your thoughts on this conversation? I think, uh, it's pretty epic. No,
0: I absolutely love this conversation. I think both sides of the debate were represented well. And at the end of the day, they're both Bitcoiners, right? It's just, um, a slightly different view from different backgrounds. And I think, uh, I mean, Bitcoin is for everybody and for anybody and for enemies, right? So, you got to be able to understand how other people can view this amazing development differently than you do and possibly use it differently than you do, right? So it's here, though. It's in Wall Street. It's in our, uh, it's in our nodes. And um, whatever, whatever they say, they can't take the Bitcoin that we have the private keys to. So that being said, do what you want with Bitcoin. Just, uh, just use it. Get into it. Learn more about it. And we are here to help you on that journey. So is the Bitcoin way. So is Juan. If you want to have any questions about what you just heard, feel free to hit us up in the DMs. We're more than happy to answer your questions. And uh, yeah, I wish everybody an excellent weekend. This has been an awesome edition of the Juan Galt Show. And I will sign out from here. Bye-bye, everybody.